a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no everyone and welcome back to movies for a life i'm one of your co-hosts michelle egan and i'm your other co-host brian kuyper and it's brian's birthday today when this episode comes out happy birthday <laughs> thank you speaking it's... to me from the future <laughs> no it's like a month early but still gotta say it because when this comes out on the 20th it's your birthday so everyone who's listening go online and tell brian happy birthday oh thank you <laughs> Because I love you, best friend. And, and wish and, and wish <laughs> Michelle a happy birthday, you know, like a week and a half earlier. Yeah, eight days ago. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. So what are we talking about today, Ryan? Well, we got ourselves a nice little double feature. We're returning back to our uh, films about filmmaking. Our favorite. This is just a fun series to do, to jump back onto these. And I don't know. We'll probably just keep doing these as long as we can have think of movies that yeah. have to do with <laughs> and, yeah yeah that have to do with making uh, movies, right? You know, and so we've got I, these are fun. Okay, okay, we sort of had a couple of weeks where things were a little bit heavy, a little bit <laughs> harder subject matter, and we thought, you know what? And you know, it's not that these are devoid of heavy moments, especially the first one, but yeah. uh, they're. There are a lot more, That's yeah, there are a lot more fun than they we have been having <laughs> recently. Yeah, we think about these movies as being fun movies, I think, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is sort of, I guess, the down and dirty, grungy, low budget, mega low budget in both cases, filmmaking. Sure. But you know, the the passion that goes into making that. Yes, I just said that referring to one of them, but you know, hey, that's all right. <laughs> um, so intended? <laughs> no pun intended. Um, what are we talking about? What's did you bring for this? Uh, I brought just like one of my favorite movies of recently, actually, because I, I obviously seen this a long time ago, but kind of revisiting it in the last few years, it's become. Kind of one of my major favorites. We are talking about from 1997, Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Excellent. Also one of my favorites. This was, uh, well, we'll talk about it when we talk about the movie. And I brought for us uh, a movie, again, my wife introduced me to. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, um, because I had never seen it. Uh, My parents saw it and said, "Uh, it's not that good. And then I saw it and went- what are you talking about? This movie's awesome. It's hilarious. Yeah. It is uh, from 1999, uh, also known as probably the greatest year in cinema since the 30s. 
you know, at oh, least. Oh, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> is uh, 1999, uh, directed by Frank Oz, also known as Yoda. I can't do a good Yoda anymore. Um, so, uh, and Fozzie Bear and all those voices. And that is Frank Oz directed this movie. Huh? Bowfinger. It's so fun. Watching this again last night, I was just laughing. Because I'd, I'd seen it, but it had been a while. And yeah, this was a super fun one <laughs> to pick for yeah. this. But also kind of still goes along with some of the themes that we had been talking about with these films about filmmaking, about, you know, the passion and the ups and downs of it. So it's per- I think it's a perfect choice for this. Yeah, sort of the thrill of getting that shot, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you never thought you were going to get. Originally, Bowfinger was going to be paired with One Cut of the Dead. But in a weird way, that's almost too on the nose of a pairing, I think. One kind of the dead and both kind fingers of. almost too, you know, there's almost too much in common there. So I think uh, what we landed on with singing in the rain was probably a better uh, double for that. And I think uh. this is a good, good one for this because, well, we've got a star in common in both yep. movies. Um, but there's also this dynamic that, you know, you see right off the bat in Boogie Nights. I think there's a found family dynamic in both of these movies. Too. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty explicit in Boogie Nights. But I think it's definitely there in Bowfinger as well. So, so we're going to start. There. We're going to start by putting on our boogie <laughs> shoes. No, you did. And um, I, <laughs> oh no, I did. Um, <laughs> no, I love it. And uh, talk about uh, boogie nights. So you saw this when? I have no idea. Fair you know enough. me, I'm not the kind of person that remember, usually remembers when I first saw the movie. <laughs> this was probably my second Paul Thomas Anderson movie because I went out and saw Magnolia and was captivated, as we have discussed uh, in our Magnolia episode. You like that and movie? S- I, I, A little bit? Yeah, it, it gets me. I, 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 think I, I think I like that movie. Um <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of criticism of Magnolia, though, online when people list. Yeah, when people list Paul Thomas Anderson movies, they're like, Boogie Nights is so great. uh, And, you know, I love some of his later stuff. But Magnolia is, I used to love it, but it's just so overstuffed. And I'm like, oh. Whatever. (laughs) No. No, it's not. It's perfect and it's lovely and it's emotional and it and it rips my heart out. That's what <laughs> so yeah. to me, Magnolia is not only my favorite PTA movie still, uh, even after seeing uh, I, I've seen all of them ex- except for uh, Inherent Vice. That's the only one I haven't seen. I haven't seen that or I think there's a few Licorice still pizza. Uh, Licorice Pizza. I still haven't seen that or The Master. Matt, he yeah. did The Master, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah. I think I started watching that, and I was not in the right mood. Yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, they're all. I licorice pizza is one that I think I'm going to see again. I not. Sh- I, I was like, I liked it, but I was finding myself not really getting what I was in for. And so when I think seeing it a second time would actually benefit that movie a lot for me. Uh, So when I just kind of know what to expect a little bit is actually probably a good thing with that movie. So, Mm -hmm. okay. I mean, it's, 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 it's uh, kind of a comes back to the little bit of the shaggy intertwining episodic 
stories that you get in his early stuff, you know, that you get in Boogie Nights and Magnolia, especially. Now, I actually think uh, Boogie Nights is it's episodic, yes, but it's yes. pretty tight. I mean, as a movie, I mean, there's not there's not a lot of fat. I mean, he even cut things out that actually leave a couple of questions in the final cut. You know, like his Corvette being smashed up in the one in, in on yeah. his fender. <laughs> yeah, that 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 scene, the scene, the scene where he crashes the Corvette is cut out of the movie. Okay, um, I actually, only just noticed that for like the last time. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> How did that even yeah, happen? A, okay. There's a bonus feature on the, I have the deluxe DVD. I don't even have the the Blu-ray of this that has the deleted scene where that happens. And, and his commentary on it, he very reluctant, he says, I'm very reluctant to talk about this, um, <laughs> but they're, it's pretty much, they're making me do this. So I'm going to talk about this scene that I removed <laughs> that I, that I hate. Um, so he, he was just not happy with this scene at all. Apparently there, um, I think there was also a cut scene that said that uh, Dirk's parents were killed in a car accident too. Oh, I read yeah. about that. I think. Yeah. I <laughs> find that oh, that's interesting too. You know, you know, and this is this is a movie. Uh, okay, Paul. Ta- this is Paul Thomas Anderson's second film, and his first one is Heart Eight. Uh, Heart Eight. I love uh, that one, which is terrific. And he uh, he originally called it Sydney. It sort of got taken out of his hands, and he says he's he was really upset about how the studio dealt with him on that movie. I think the movie is great it. the way it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, he's he got a lot of good stuff on that he's never broached the idea and he could now with the level of uh that he's attained where he could go back to like kind of do it again he could release a director's cut of that version if of that movie if he wanted to you know i don't think that there would be anything that would stop him from doing that but he hasn't uh, which I find interesting. Maybe he's just like, I don't look back to the past. I'm going to keep going forward. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know what? Whatever it's whatever you want to do, and that's fine. But he basically started writing Boogie Nights, and he said, you know, my next movie is going to be three hours long. It's going to be NC-17, and there's nothing that anyone's going to be able to do about it. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, okay. Uh, but then he had someone, a mentor, sort of come along beside him at New Line. I'm not sure if it was Mike DeLuca or Bob Shea or who, but uh, basically said, okay, we love this script, but we got to get it an R rating because otherwise it's going to lose. It's, it's not going to work. It's you're, you're not going to be able to make your next movie. If this one's not, doesn't do something at the box office or (laughs) on video and blockbuster won't carry it. If it's NC 17, which is unfortunate, but that's just there was what they did, right? So he said he worked really hard to get an, an R rating, and I don't know that it's 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 still got plenty of nudity. It's still got yeah. you know full frontal male nude shot, you know at the end. That's not quite a close up, but it's pretty close to that. So I mean, there's nothing in this that I think feels like it holds back. To me, no, you know, I mean, even though I mean, it's a movie about the porn industry in the seventies. <laughs> I mean, that's just just a little background on, on, how, on how the movie was made. That's all, and that's just stuff that I remember from the commentary that I listened to 
years ago, which is a very entertaining commentary, I got to say. Where it was just him? Uh-huh. I didn't have time to listen to the whole thing. I started listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever's on the Blu-ray, if it's the same one on the on the Blu-ray as it is on the DVD, probably. Yeah. And Paul Thomas Anderson seems like one of those guys who's kind of mellowed with age, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> his his early movies, he's just, he's just so, just so my artist's vision and, you know, uh, <laughs> he's pretty, pretty over the top, but now he can, he can pretty much do whatever he wants now. Oh, so he's, good. he's like, I'm good. You know, I'm fine. I kind of liked his background too for this because it, like he started it when he was like 17, he made a short film uh-huh. called the Dirk Diggler story, which is basically uh-huh. this whole like rise and fall of the porn actor. Uh, Cause he was, <laughs> I, I, I kind of loved reading this about him. Like one of you read those articles. That's like, you know, things you didn't know about boogie nights. And like one of the articles, it was like one of the things said, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson really, really loves porn. <laughs> I was like, yep. I was like, that's perfect. I love that. <laughs> Cause I do too. So there you go. And yeah, he, the commentary talks, he drops a lot of titles during the commentary yeah. <laughs> of like, of like uh seventies porn that he's like, this is, this is not just, I mean, I, now they would even be called like the golden age of adult yeah. cinema, not even porn. I mean, this is, this is like, yeah, films, real movies that happen to have people having sex. In yeah. Them. This know. golden age was from 1969 to 1984. This is when porn was actually taken more seriously by everybody. The main mainstream movie going yeah. audience critics like reviewed mm-hmm. um, mainstream porn films. They got theatrical wide releases and it was when that change from film to video in the the mid 80s is kind of what stopped all that even though you know it was still widely popular it just um it kind of devolved into the the low budget i think kind of more quick like like jack horner talks about in in the movie it's not about you know making a story with some sex in it you know it's mostly about like the actual porn side of it i think and this movie shows like both the the good sides and the bad sides of that obviously like because there's good good mm-hmm. and bad to everything and there's actual i love that there's an actual uh porn star like from that era like in the movie yeah uh, nina hartley is uh nina little bill's hartley, yeah. is little bill's wife little bill's wife mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think you can you can see that love and that appreciation but also like recognizing the the dark side of it too in the movie yeah or where things, or maybe not the dark side, but like where things can go wrong or where people can go wrong. Well, I mean, people are involved in things. And as we've t- talked about, you know, people are imperfect and exactly. cause problems and just human interactions, you know. But I mean, that's sort of the core of this movie is you have this sort of family unit, you that's know. Like, yeah, that was got- one of the things that we both kind of noticed mm-hmm. right off the bat is that. Like, oh, yeah, this is like the found family thing that we both really love to see in movies. Yeah. And, you know, the way it's set up is you very much have Jack Horner, played by Burt Reynolds, and Amber Waves, played by Julianne Moore, um, are very much come across as this mother-father couple that sort of resides over this whole large extended family here yeah, they look uh, they look after ro- everybody yeah um roller girl is the her first interaction when she comes on the scene when uh heather graham is roller girl runs in uh rolls, rolls in because <laughs> <laughs> she's 
always wearing her skates, always. And she's sort of she's sort of like doing the potty dance. And <laughs> she's, and Amber says to her, You did you call that girl about that thing? And she's like, Not yet. Well, if you don't do that, it's gonna be the weekend and you're, yeah. you'll forget about it. It won't happen. It's just it's like, yeah, okay, I will. It's like What's going on down there? Like, I gotta go pee. I gotta it's go like, pee. Well, go then. I mean, it's just so motherly yes. the way it's done. And it's instantly this cute sort of interaction thing. But then you have, you know, Luis Guzman and all these characters that are sort of the surrounding orbit of this. You know, he's the, that opening tracking shot. Holy hell. I know. And there's more than one in uh, this movie. And then I love that they- all through this movie. Yeah. And I love that they're they're both kind of represent different times of like or the evolution mm-hmm. of all of the characters. It's it's so cool the way he does it. Very smart. Yeah, you know, and so you you have like I said all these different characters throughout this, you know, Louis Guzman is the uh nightclub owner, you know, and he's <laughs> wanting to sort of <laughs> be be put me in the movie. He wants to be in the movies <laughs> and uh and, you know, in this scene, you you only see a few people because we haven't met, you know, sort of the core of the rest of the group until we get to Jack's house later. But sort of on the edges of this, you've got uh, Eddie Adams, you know, played by Mark Wahlberg as a busboy in this, just watching them from the outside, just so desperately wanting to be part of this, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I see. Because, I mean, he lives far away. His home life is shitty. But he drives all the way out there to, or takes the bus, I think is what he says. He takes the bus all the way out there to this nightclub because he knows who these people are, you know, and he wants to be in that world, I think is what it comes down to. I I wonder that if he knew specifically who they were or if it was just like the atmosphere of like this club is, seems like this is where the who's who connects Mm -hmm. and collects each other, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really sure because like when, um, when Jack Horner first like comes up to him in in the kitchen, it's like he doesn't um he he says he knows who he is, but he doesn't get like all excited right away. Yeah. So I wasn't sure about true. that. I wasn't sure about that. Unless he's just trying to play it cool. Too. Yeah, true. You know, it's it's hard to know. So what do you think about um Mark Wahlberg and his role here? You know, I've always thought Mark Wahlberg was kind of he's he's an unseasoned actor in this point. You know, really? he hasn't really done a lot that is he he's got he's got a little bit of a rawness to it. He reminds me a little bit of Patrick Fugit in Almost Famous in that sense, mm, where yeah. there's n- there's not a lot of uh, total refinement in his acting, but he's still right for the role, in my opinion. There's a little bit of a, a more realness to it, maybe because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. And you know, especially I think in the in the when he's trying to fight with his parents and Jack and stuff like that, it comes across maybe a little bit slightly less than it would be from a more professional actor, you know, someone who's done it longer, I should say. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think at the same time, there's so much that he does well. I mean, there, there are all these moments that, uh, you know, and I'm going off total just memory stuff when it comes to from the commentary, when it comes to that commentary, there's, it's a long time since I've listened to it, but I remember things that PTA was saying was like, he was trying to capture these moments with him where he just wasn't trying to act and things that he wouldn't necessarily want that Mark Wahlberg wouldn't necessarily want to be in the movie. 
you know, like the part where he's jumping up and down on the bed and he's just, he's trying to, he's holding his hands up so he doesn't hit his head on the ceiling. And he's just got that sort of joyous child, childish look on his face. You know what I'm talking about there in his bedroom at the beginning with his girlfriend. That was one of those moments where he's like, Mark just hated that this was in the movie. Why? But that's what I wanted. That's why, because that's that's him. It's just being. That's him being and not acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's and good, I think, though. Yeah, I think he's terrific in in especially things like that. So I've always liked Mark, Mark Wahlberg fine in this movie. But I mean, he's also surrounded by sort of the uh, yeah. cream of the crop <laughs> of his generation of Seriously. actors. Seriously. <laughs> You know, I mean, when you've got John C. Riley, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, William H. Macy, Julian Julian Moore, Moore. <laughs> yeah, um, kills it. Burt frickin' Reynolds, you know, yeah. doing. I mean, Burt Reynolds is kind of a in in some ways he's he's an actor that's a little bit like Mark Wahlberg. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got a lot of great presence on screen, but he's not a. De Niro, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a movie, he's a movie star, you know, yeah. and I, I love Burt Reynolds though. And I think he's really great in this movie. I know he, I haven't read into it. I, so I don't know the story here, but apparently he was not happy with this movie and yeah. I don't know what that story is, I think it, but it, I'm it, just kind of like, really? <laughs> You're incredible in this movie, man. Yeah. There's the stories about he and um, PTA not getting along or him him kind of seeing him as like this, this younger young director who you know thinks he is doing something really amazing like he had i saw one um article that mentioned like uh, he saw pta like doing a shot and saying like oh doesn't that look great and bert was like yeah i can name like five movies that did that too it's not that original <laughs> you know stuff like that so he didn't maybe he didn't really um I don't want to yeah. say like you didn't respect him. I don't know, but it's just like they didn't really get along. Well, I think you know Burt Reynolds is from you know a generation of actors. You know he worked with everybody. Sure, good God, <laughs> I mean, and so I mean he uh, he had. Um, I think you know seeing the new guard come in, maybe you know in the in, in the in that period in the nineties, you know Tarantino, sure, uh, PTA. Uh, you know, even, you know, like John Singleton and some of these other young directors uh, who were just kind of taking the world by storm and making and they it, I, I think to some extent there was a there were like, hey, let's throw this older actor a bone, you know, and have him be in our <laughs> movie. You know, let's have let's have old washed up John Travolta appear. In, and that's <laughs> not the way that that Tarantino or PTA were seeing this. They were like, Oh, absolutely not. No, I want this actor because I admire them. And I don't know necessarily that I, John Travolta has, I've never heard him say anything bad about his experience on Pulp Fiction. That's not what I'm trying to say, but just this, this idea that these young punks are sort of trying to piggyback on my <laughs> stardom or whatever and I, I think there's a, <laughs> i don't know if that's i don't who knows exactly what was going through burt reynolds head with some of this but you know hey it's hard to know while you're making a movie what it's gonna look like in the end i mean i, I can imagine there are movies that turn out to be disasters that seem like hey this is going really well and others that are like i have this is a hell shoot and it turns out to be a masterpiece that we know that yeah. happens you sure. know, so all that aside, though, I mean, like what we have on the screen is awesome <laughs> and he should be proud and yeah. happy. Going back to Mark Wahlberg, though, um, 
Yeah, do it. Okay, so his character, I was thinking a little bit more about him because before I didn't really like him. I thought he was annoying. I thought he was, um, I don't know, like obviously he gets to be very cocky, pardon the pun, um, when he becomes a big (laughs) star. when he becomes a you know a big um porn star but i was kind of thinking of it now like in these earlier scenes when he's he's only 17 when they start out which is another kind of there's a whole family thing going on but then there's also like eh, roller girl and dork were also underage so they're underage yeah but they're very well they seem to be very well taken care of is maybe just a thing of the time where, you know, that wasn't a big deal. I want more on, on roller girls backstory. I, that's one of the things that I'm oh, really, yeah. really, really missing from this movie as I want more of her, but what I'm seeing in these earlier scenes and even like just throughout the movie, really um, you see little bits of it still come in through his character is how childish uh, Dirk yeah. Eddie is. When he's having yeah. the fight with his mother, it's like he's he's mm-hmm. like ten years old, you know the way he talks, exactly. Or, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, but it just she's not much better. <laughs> no, of course <laughs> she's not. Being, she she's throwing a little tantrum on her own, you know. Oh, of course not. No, but like he's you know he's, it's like he's about to he's like whining, crying, like you don't know me. I'm like I'm gonna be a big star, but like so it's like he's um looking it's that thing of a little kid like looking for love when he has been rejected by his mother throughout the whole movie you kind of see that keep coming back and back when he's um when he's like getting gets a little frustrated with himself when um he gets into the drugs and he can't perform you know you see you kind of right. see that come in and uh I, that's when i kind of understood him a little because he would uh even just like the scenes where um when he gets a little bit more money, he's spending more money on his clothes and stuff. And like, there's one little scene with um, him and roller girl. They're just on the dance floor. And he's just talking about like, yeah, these shoes, they're like Italian imported leather and stuff. And I was always like, shut up. Or when he's it's so sh- funny. Yeah. And, and this shirt is uh, imported Italian <laughs> nylon. I love that. <laughs> I love that it's, joke. And it's from like a really famous Italian designer. <laughs> and he like doesn't yeah, even right. know who it is. Or when he's showing you know Amber around his his new house and just uh, pointing out like just trying to he's he's obviously trying to fill the void, you know. He's one of those kind of characters it feels like. So I, I kind of get the um the way that he's acting at the beginning, even though like it would, it used to annoy me a lot. I would be like, you're not a very likable dude, especially when he's talks back. He really is throughout the course of no, the he's, entire movie. He's not, he's, <laughs> he's not, but like we've said, you know, a character yeah. doesn't have to be likable. You just have to understand them. And I right. think I understood him a little bit more this time around. Yeah. He's <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that it's, he starts out just so immature and then when he becomes so famous and popular, he's just so full of himself. Oh yeah, Amber's documentary about him and stuff. Yes, and then it's like, and then it's like, I don't, I don't need you. You're, you're nothing without me. You know, and all he storms right. off, and he goes off, and he thinks he can record an album and all this bullshit. Yeah. He's terrible. Um, yeah. When when we see him at the beginning too, like he just very much wants to do a good job. He wants to be a part of the family. You know, he wants yeah. to, um, it, you know, like with the the found family thing is all about um, a 
band of misfits, you know, on the outskirts, like trying to find a home for themselves. And it can be anywhere. It can be in like, like an Ed Wood, you know, making crappy movies, or it can mm-hmm. be like in here making porn together. And just there, yeah. you said it was kind of like Goodfellas too, in a way where it's like, yeah. they, on, they only hang out with each other. But it's, I think it's a very lovely thing because they, they all take care of each yeah. other and it's a job well, in a way, to them. It's it's kind <laughs> of, yeah, in a way, it's kind of that way in Goodfellas too, where it's sort sure. of, there's something, even though it's a criminal enterprise, there's something kind of secure about the way they deal with each other. Yeah. They only, they're, they go on vacation together. They do all these things together. It's a, it's a similar kind of feel to that. And there's also sort of the lifestyle of it all that happens. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, here's the thing. This is something I realized too. People tend to say, oh, the first half of that movie is so much fun. Then it takes this incredibly dark turn halfway through. Yes. Which one? But, you can be talking about both. <laughs> but, but the seeds of, oh, you mean of Goodfellas or Boogie <laughs> yeah, Nights? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in Boogie Nights, I think the seeds of that, of all the darkness that happens there, it's set up right in the first part. I mean, after you have the club scene at the beginning, you just go to straight over to, you know, Amber on the phone trying to talk to her son. Mm -hmm. Um, You see Bill's wife, you know, with the other guy and, and he's just, she, she seems to be like, it's just sex. And Bill's like, yeah, but you're my wife, you know, so yeah. commitment m- matters to him. A roller girl at school where she just doesn't seem to get it. And, you know, then the 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 other kid who's like, you know, teasing her about, yeah. about her porn stuff. And then Eddie's home life, you know, uh, Buck and his trying job. To sell, trying to still sell stereos <laughs> and playing country music. Yeah. <laughs> There's a there's a sly little Star Wars reference in there. The stereo is called the TK four two one, which is <laughs> the call is the call Star sign Wars? of one of the yeah. It's the call sign of one of the stormtroopers in, in, in Star Wars. I thought nice. that, that's pretty funny because it take because that first sequence is in 1977 when that movie came out. Yeah, so it's just sort of so it it's either like this thing is actually called that and it's a joke, or he's just making shit up. You could read it either way. Uh, <laughs> sure. As as uh, you know, he he just pulled a pulled a number out of his ass and, and, and <laughs> told this guy about it, which I kind of love that idea too. Oh, and his name Buck Swope is actually uh, based off of Putney Swope. Of Putney Swope, which is one of PTA's favorite movies. I actually heard about that movie for the first time because of the Boogie Nights commentary. I heard about Putney Swope because of that. I've been so wanting I, to see that I movie. Saw it a long time ago. I, I bought it. I bought it from Vinegar Syndrome, and I haven't rewatched it. But I saw it years ago because I got they had it at the library for me of all places. I, so nice. I have seen Putney Swope. Yeah, I was wondering too if um, Eddie Adams, who is originally Dirk Diggler, uh, his that's his original you know what i mean <laughs> yeah um, eddie his, adams is dirk diggler his girlfriend dirk. yeah his girlfriend's name is cheryl lynn which i wondered if oh. it was probably um a reference to ginger lynn and amber lynn who were uh porn stars of the the second wave of uh, like the golden age of porn in the 80s amber lynn one of my favorites um, of that age <laughs> 
All right. I think that probably is true. <laughs> I thought I don't know that many. Sorry. I I mean there are only a few names I I, I know and recognize. So also, you know, when they're having that fight, when Eddie and her mom and his mom are having that fight, there's this shot of his dad yeah. just sitting on the bed overhearing it. And it's just like this guy. And now that I r- realize it, that's the same actor that plays the guy that picks up Melora Walters' character in Magnolia at the beginning. That oh, God, just I can't the, even Just think at the of beginning yeah. of the movie. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Anyway, that shot just is haunting, though. It's just he, this father that is just so feckless and just not able to stand up in any way. And then you contrast that with Jack Horner, who is so different from that in so many ways, just sort of a confident guy, but still, you know, a, a decent guy, you know, I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> however you want to define that. I mean, he's, he's, especially when you are talking about some of the people or he, he ends up interacting, you know, like the Colonel and stuff, you know, in this world. So it's a genuine sort of masculine presence that is positive that Dirk, Dirk, I mean, it's just so easy, much easier to call him Dirk, you know, I know, yeah. but he, then he has in his home life, you know, uh, so you can see why he's drawn to this strong father, this loving mother, mm-hmm. you know, because after all, Amber, she's a mother to us all. She's a mother <laughs> to all those who need love. Yes. That's what is. he says. You know, <laughs> I think that's a wonderful line. I mean, she's referred to as mom a lot yeah. in this movie. From One of my favorite end, scenes so. is during that little montage of, of Amber and Roller Girl when they're doing Coke on the bed. And be my room. mom? Yeah. That is one of my favorite little moments. Like this, um, this movie has like kind of more famous scenes. I probably the Sister Christian scene is probably the yeah. most famous, but it's those little moments, I think, between the characters that are some of my favorites. Like one of my favorite conversations is when um, Reed and Dirk first meet. I that love is, that scene. I was just going to talk about that. Yes. That is literally like one of my favorite scenes. It's like, it's just a shot that holds on the two of them while it seems like they're having this really kind of odd, awkward, they're both like trying to be cool to each other, you know, like impri- improvised scene, it feels like. But it is yeah, like, it's, it is. So, yeah. it's so real and like, but it's natural. It's, it's it's hilarious too. So, what do you squat? <laughs> two hundred. Oh, about two hundred. Like, and he's, he turns on the blender. It's like, what do you squat? Huh? What do you squat? Like he had to take a minute. Like he took a minute to think about a number that'd be a little bit better, but still <laughs> believable. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I thought that was pretty funny. And then it's like, so what do you bench? You know, is the way they end that conversation. I think it's so. We'll funny. say the same. T- you didn't say anything. You didn't say anything either. But you know, it's still kind of like you can see the like the the friendship growing between the two of them. It's so cute. It's so funny. It's so cute. Hey, did you see that movie? Star you know, Wars? It, people say I look like Han Solo, and he's just like, "Okay, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, you don't." <laughs> exactly, and that's what's so funny. I gotta say, I think as far as just the character I most want to hang out with in this movie, it's probably Reed. I just <laughs> really? find John yeah. John C. Riley so funny in this. He is. I, I think he's so entertaining. He's, I mean, 
he's in the sister Christian scene. So he's got, there's, he's got scenes of tension and things like that, but most of the time he's just really, really funny. You know, he's just sort of that, (laughs) that presence that doesn't really have a lot of drama involved with him. Mm -hmm. You know, he just does what he does. And so, you know, I I love what he's being interviewed on (laughs) for the documentary (laughs) says, it's like, you know, if we want to end violence in movies, it's like, we could fix that tomorrow. You know, just no more movies. Yeah. I'll fuck on my own time. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I know. It's it's just so much of what he's doing. This movie feels like PTA said to him, "Okay, here's the idea. Just make shit up, you know." Because (laughs) (laughs) you know they worked together on the first movie together. Mm -hmm. Uh, They went on to work together on Magnolia, of course, uh, as well. He has a cameo in Licorice Pizza that's pretty funny. Oh, he does. Sweet. Um, (laughs) It's very, 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 very brief. I mean, it's actually more of an audible one. Cause I didn't even know it was him until I heard his voice and it's just like this yeah. momentary thing in the background. And I was just like, Whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. But yeah, I think he's just so damn funny. And I, I love the interactions that they have together. Like when they're recording the album. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's just like, he's just like, dancing in the booth you know with that crazy <laughs> thing that only john c Riley can do uh and you know and and mark Wahlberg is just terrible yeah when they're sitting there kind of jamming and he's playing guitar and like mark Wahlberg is quote-unquote singing he's singing he's yeah. john c Riley is like the best best friend the best like hype man he will never tell you yeah. that you suck he will always tell no. you that you're no. great you know yep well and that's, it's so that's funny what his character feels like like or that's exactly what it is yeah, yeah. i mean and he's, <laughs> and he's pretty chill about it because like the the first scene that he was supposed to that Dirk ends up shooting with Amber was supposed to be Reed, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And he's just like, and he's just like, eh, whatever. You know, he he just he's fine with it. You know, he's really cool about, you know, just letting this other kid have his moment. And then you see, you know, Dirk when that happens to him, you know, when exactly. when uh Johnny Doe comes in and he's like fuck this, you know, yeah. you're not, you know, and, and Johnny does no Dirk Diggler, but you know, it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's sort of the joke of it, I guess. But, but I love, you know, John C. Riley at the end of that jam scene where he says, Hey, were you rolling on that rehearsal? I think we're ready to record this. You know, it's so good. <laughs> when it was Sorry. awful. When it was absolutely awful. Oh, it's so bad. And the words are awful and it's, yes. everything about it is just the worst. It's like, we're going to take this to a record company and we're going to get you your money after they hear our demos because we're definitely going to get a record. (laughs) That's one of the best scenes, too. (laughs) Yeah, Reed just seems like the character. He feels like he's the opposite of what Dirk is. He's one that's just kind of happy to be where he is. He's a part of the family. He does his job. Mm -hmm. He's got a steady, steady job uh, with them and he's happy where he is. Like, even if he's not as popular as Dirk, he's, he's fine. Just kind of being the best friend character, you know, he's Mm -hmm. never going to get too jealous. He's like, Hey, I'm here and then I'm doing my thing. And that's just fine with me. I don't have to get any bigger. I like, I know I can't do this forever, so I'm just going to enjoy it while 
I get to do it now and not maybe not take it so seriously. He's a little bit like uh, Steve Zahn's character in, yeah. uh, in that thing you do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's a little, got a little bit, of, we could all use a little bit of Lenny in ourselves, I think. Just, you know, have fun, sure. fun with the ride, you know? Yeah. Have fun with and the ride. Even yeah. when they start making, oh God, I just forgot the the name the brock landers series <laughs> yeah even when they start making the the brock landers series and there's that scene where uh jack horner was watching it and he's like okay just cut out all of reed shit and uh, make this all about dirk and like he doesn't even seem to care you know you never see him like he he's obviously no. probably watched the movies but he, he doesn't doesn't seem to care later on that he's you know second fiddle to him and, and i love you know when they're talking about these the series and they don't really have it together. They just have like, so he's he's like a spy and this and that. And, and Jack's like, okay, what? Yeah, whatever. And they said, do these characters have names? It's like, mine is Brock Landers. Mine's Chest Rockwell. Chest like, Rockwell. Those are great names. <laughs> you know, as long as they have good names, no one cares. It's exactly. so funny. I just love that that element because um, there is this sort of element of the surface of things in this. You know that everyone's putting on this face. They're putting on this mask for uh, the public to see, and no one is really who they say they are. I mean, when. When Roller Girl, for example, when her real name is said by that guy, she just shuts down. It's like, mm-hmm. and it, it's she's just sort of horrified that someone knows her name. Sure. Uh, yeah, and so there's there's a lot of that because I mean, otherwise, the really the only name you know, real given name that we know is Eddie Adams. Amber is Maggie. That's right. Amber is Maggie. That's right. Some kid looking for his mom. That's yeah, there's no my, Maggie uh, here. That was one of my the most heartbreaking scenes to me. Just like a, mm-hmm. again, just one of those little moments. Like, oh, uh, you know, some kid looking for his mother Maggie, and it cuts to her doing a line of coke. You know, like yeah. completely unaware that her you know kid wants to talk to her. Like yeah. the one that we saw at the beginning, she was so desperate to to talk to and be with. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, and and this what she did to help numb all that. Yeah. Sort of taken away her ability to have that at all and it's oh, it's so sad what i like about this movie is that it is the, the found family thing and the way that it it portrays the characters it it i don't want to it sounds kind of bad to say that but it it humanizes them even though yes people you know who make They're porn humans, are human yeah. yes but you know there is still the stigma around that mm-hmm. whether or not this is uh, authentic to what it was actually like back then. I think what's more important is the way that they're portrayed and the way that you yeah. have sympathy for all of them. You know, which you should. <laughs> um, is it maybe it a is. bit? Is it maybe a bit revisionist? Probably. It's either it's either maybe too idealistic or too extreme. You know, maybe based on you know, who you actually talk to. You know, everyone's probably got probably got a different experience like who was actually there you know during yeah. this time period you know whether or not you know all the, the drugs were probably were that rampant <laughs> you know oh, i'm sh- i have i mean they were <laughs> like, everywhere I have though. no doubt about that at all sure yeah yeah i mean especially in entertainment industries oh yeah because okay so i had and he's told me this story several times you know um because I, I know a guy who he and his wife they used to be performers in Vegas. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just expected that if you had some sort of party that you had a tray full of pills for your guests when they came in. I mean, that's just what you did. So, and this was in the seventies and eighties. It's just was part of the lifestyle is just what was expected. And I know that was not just true of the, you know, Vegas music industry, but also of Hollywood for sure. For sure. And I mean, come on, the, the porn industry, I have no doubt that was a part of it too. Who knows? This movie may even kind of soft pedal that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, because it sounds like it was because, I mean, you, you hear stories like, you know, even in the mid 80s, you know, Stephen King, you know, with his coke at his sure. his coke habit. And, you know, and you hear stories about Dawkin and Freddy and Freddy Krueger and um, Robert <laughs> England, Robert England doing lines off the uh, Freddy glove during the. Uh, Dream Warriors shoot, you know, it was the Wild West, you know. Sure. Uh, so, so I mean, I think it's true of entertain. It's probably, I mean, who knows? I don't know how. It probably is still. <laughs> there's, there's things we don't know. I'm sure still going on. So, there anyway. is still portrayed in this movie. There's still a level of respect, and yeah. you know, having respect for your coworkers. That's why that scene with um, roller girl and Jack in the, in the car, like during the, yes. the downfall is so fucking dark and scary yep. to me. It like really is. there is, uh, it's about, it's showing that, you know, <laughs> porn is a job <laughs> to them, yeah, and, right. which it is mm-hmm. sex work is work. Yeah. Yep. And how there's gotta be a level of trust and respect. And they, I don't know where I was going with this. It just It's really good at, at portraying that. Like, you know, in the, that first porn shoot between uh, Dirk and Amber, it's, yes, it's shot. Like, they, you have the reactions of everybody to, to Dirk in his first scene, but it's also, it's a job. They're shooting it just like they would, you know, any other movie. Like when uh, Little Bill is going through the script. <laughs> yep. Going through, like, what's happening today. Like, oh, Amber comes in, or Dirk comes in, they go at it. Then we go into the bathroom, they go at it. You know, he's he's talking yeah, about yeah. this, like, so nonchalantly because it's a job to them. And it's a, yep. it's a, I think that's very important that it was portrayed that way because that's what it is. Yeah, it is a job. And, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's it's not easy work. No, you know, as you know, I think is shown pretty clearly later. You know, when uh, Dirk is trying to get a hard on, you know, mm-hmm. while he's high, you know, and he can't because of all the drugs he's taken, and is and so he goes out there and he just is like, I'm ready to shoot now. And Jack's like, 20 minutes. Hmm? No, I'm ready to shoot now. It's like, because he knows that he won't be able to in 20 minutes. Where at first he's like, I can do it again if you need a close up. Yeah, now exactly. he's, <laughs> you know, he's totally wasted on it. He's just so, it's just challenging to keep that level of <laughs> prowess, I guess, going <laughs> after yeah, a certain exactly. amount of time, you know? Yeah. Also in that scene too, though, I can see... Jack not wanting to work with him when he's in that state, but also probably not wanting to put whoever his co-star is supposed to be in danger by mm. actually shooting the scene with him while he's in that state. You know, so There's again, like everybody that fatherly element to Jack yes. in that he's very protective of the people that he works with, particularly the women, I think, you know, totally. I, I see that he's just like, you know, this, 
when he said, you know, this isn't a hole in the wall. This is roller. This girl. is roller girl. Yeah. yeah. Have some respect. Yeah. I mean, have some respect, you know, <laughs> and she, he's like totally fine with roller girl, you know, smashing the guy's <laughs> yes. face with her. I skin. love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we all are when we get to that point oh, in the movie though. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, nobody really to me comes off as being overtly like, scuzzy or sleazy in any way no, not at all at all mm. except for maybe todd you know when todd comes in uh thomas jane's yeah. character thomas <laughs> <When Jane>. he... <laughs> i didn't even realize it was him you know because really? because I, <laughs> I, I was like what oh my gosh because i i guess what i recognize thomas jane from is the mist at this point it just mm-hmm. looks nothing alike to me <laughs> you know it's so far distant from this character he's the only one that comes off as being like, well, I don't, I'm not really for that guy. Cause like in his first scene, he, when he's talking about like, Oh, you want to introduce me to that girl over there? Introduce her to my lap. Yeah. You know, it's like, nah, yeah. no dude, that's not cool. Yeah. And you know, the, the Johnny Doe stuff's a little bit disturbing, you know, where it's like, you know, it, it's that violence of combined with, with the sex scenes yes. that they're showing. You no, know, he's like holding a gun to a woman's head while yeah. he's getting, <laughs> well, he's well she's filleting him you know? yes <laughs> yeah there we go it, it, that that's the sort of stuff that both uh jack and the character played by ricky J, the cameraman slash editor is they're just kind of like this is never what we wanted with nope. to make this is not what we're and it, you know when he just finally just says you know it is what it is like this is what it's it's turned into now yeah yeah yeah, he just walks through that warehouse and it's just piles of videotapes. He's just, and Jack is just sort of like clearly like, uh, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> this isn't this isn't what I. And you can see it's not just in the the fact that it's on videotape. It's also like when they're shooting the girls in the hot, in the hot tub, tub. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind of like we just shoot and shoot and shoot and then we fix it later. Oh yeah, it's it's you know? video, it's videotape. We and, can and, just and keep shooting. See, yeah, and you can see how things are different. I mean, they've got obviously they have like breast implants, for example. There's just mm-hmm. a, a which which is the common. This is very common now. It, it's just a different vibe, you know, than when they're making the film earlier, you know. And I think PTA is just like this is uh this is one of those videos that just you put on the shelf it's not really a movie it's just sex scenes strung together and that's all it is which is fine i mean that's what it is but i mean that's just sort of it's not it's not what they wanted to do it wasn't it's it's about getting people off it's not about making art is what it is and for them i think at that point it's exactly what jack horner is talking about in that scene at the diner yeah at the diner yeah he's saying that he actually wants to make a movie is like, how do you keep people in, in the theater after they've already come? <laughs> is what he's saying in yeah. that scene. And that's the difference. Like it, it's kind of what we haven't really gone back to that either in all these years, no. you know, porn has been around, uh, you know, ever since then, obviously, but ever since that move to videotape and then to the internet, it's like, it seems like in Jack Horner's time, like what he was doing, what he wanted to do and what kind of gave it the, the respectability at the time that it had was that it was a movie and like i i don't yeah. sit, i don't sit down and i don't watch an entire porn movie you know you just watch scenes now right i yeah. mean it, it, porn 
the Pornhub or whatever you got, you know, yeah. 10 minute clips or whatever. That's all it's, you get now. You it, don't get an actual movie mm-hmm. with a story. You don't, nobody, mm-hmm. obviously nobody yeah. cares about the story. And there's a little but bit of he, a, there's a little bit of a joke in, in that scene too, yeah. where he's like, you want to make a story, but like, it's kind of a joke about Hollywood and about porn at the same time to me when he's, he's talking about like wanting to make it a story when, when, when it all comes down to, he's just making porn, you know, and that when Hollywood, mm-hmm. it's like, it's kind of a, it feels like a thing on Hollywood too, where they want to make something um, really important and cool. But sometimes what it comes down to is you're just making entertainment. You're making a different kind of porn for people. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, I, that's kind of what it feels like I, you know, I get that because yeah, i mean and because you also think about when these movies took place okay mm-hmm. and i think okay i love i'm gonna i'm gonna trash star wars a little bit i love oh, star wars what I, uh, You're gonna trash I, it? I i adore i adore it but it's i think it's apt that this movie starts in 1977 and makes a couple of star wars references early on in the movie and I'm spitballing a little bit because this like just came to mind based on what you just said. Okay. Okay. In the 70s, throughout the 70s, you had this era of artistic, gritty, edgy, pushing the envelope, young, exciting new filmmakers coming up and making things that were entertaining, but also had a social message. You think of the 70s as a period of movies that really mattered, you know? Yes. Uh, in a lot of cases, right? And then in 1977, Star Wars comes out. And then before that, 1975, you have Jaws. And these are very well-made artistic films. I mean, they're not bad movies, neither of them, of course. I think they're both masterpieces in their way. But it became about sort of blockbuster entertainment. Then when the sequels came out, it became about franchises. And it be- and we still feel that today. So mm-hmm. the difference that we are experiencing here with the porn industry is also happening in Hollywood at large because you're getting this shift from the artistic new Hollywood era into the blockbuster era, mm-hmm. you know? And I love blockbusters, you know, oh, sure. yeah, I'm not there's trying to wrong. shit on blockbusters, <laughs> but I think that there's certain amount of commentary on that happening here. Yeah. Um, maybe from, some subtextual level going on here because I mean, these are the, because now you had sort of this film school era generation coming up, nor the post films, whatever they were in the nineties. What are they called? I don't know. The Tarantinos, the PTAs, these guys were, were kind of going back to that. They were kind of going back to this making entertaining artistic film thing that had kind of been lost in the eighties by a lot of people's estimation, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so that, that's, that's just what, uh, I spitballing a little bit (laughs) there, but (laughs) I, I I see something of that in here. It's sort of a, you know, and having a, a actor like Burt Reynolds coming in here into this movie, representing this seventies era of filmmaking. And then you have Mark Wahlberg coming in, representing the young new guys that wanted to just throw these movies out there, you know, and make, make blockbuster entertainment. Right. 
maybe there's something to that. I don't I don't know for sure, but And there's nothing thoughts. yeah, and there's nothing wrong like you said with either one of those. There's nothing wrong with no. a porn movie that's just porn and there's nothing wrong with a blockbuster that's just a bunch of shit blowing up and you know, people running yeah. around, you know? There's a place for yeah. all of that stuff and they're both <laughs> entertaining. Absolutely. You know, I've I got to say I took I took my son to see uh, I took one of my sons to see Studio 666, this little arty movie, you know, and then I'm taking my other son to see Batman, you know, today. <laughs> so, I mean, there's sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't call Studio 666 a hard hitting art film, but it's <laughs> it's it's a smaller movie kind of yeah. thing. You know, that's what I'm getting at. So you've got these sorts of, of things going on. And I, th- I find that there's a place for all of it. Of course. And I love it. You know, kind of going back to um, what you were saying about the the new the new guy Johnny Doe and the kind of violence uh, that he that his movies were starting to show. Like you kind of get a little bit mm-hmm. with the Brock Landers movies too, though. They yes, when he definitely. first when he first introduces um, the idea to Jack when they're in the van, you know, kind of just an odd like <laughs> insert shot of that. Like where are they going on that long drive in the van when he first brings that up. Anyway, oh, they're going to the AV, they're going to the uh, the adult film awards. Is that where they're going? They're, okay. they're, they're driving. They're driving to Vegas yeah, oh, okay. for the adult film awards. That's when he first brings it up, and he actually mentions the person that the character of Dirk Diggler is based on, kind of John Holmes. Mm-hmm. And he mentions um, the the series of movies that he he made, the Johnny Wad movies, and, mm-hmm. but yet and he's like, oh, they're all about like violence, and I'm just like, I'm not cool with that. And I don't want to do that. And then. You see him doing exactly that. Exactly that. In the in the little clips you see from the Brock Landers movies. So I don't know what that's about. Even though like you can kind of see another kind of weird thing that I, I love about Dirk and like when he's first starting out and like the different sides to this character that you just keep seeing throughout the movie. He's like so polite in the beginning is what I kind of yep. love. When, in that first scene that he does with Amber, you know, he wants to make it look sexy and he wants to make sure that it feels good for her, you know, but it's yep. like he, mm-hmm. once his ego gets too big, like he doesn't care about that anymore. Which well, is sad. The, even yeah, and the first time he um, ex- accept the accepts his best exactly. actor award. Yes, those he's two so scenes. excited about it. He's just like he's giving, let's let's make these films and let's let's do the best ones that we can and all these things. You and know, the next and one, the next time is thank you, thank you. That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and he he just looks so bored. It's like yeah, I know I'm the best. Thanks. <laughs> keep it going that whole fight just going back again to that that whole fight with him and uh when, and jack when yeah when he's all cooked up again it's hard to to like him in that scene but again you also kind of understand him like he's gotten you see in that first um shot of his room you see on the uh-huh. walls everything that he wants and everything that he eventually gets you know throughout the movie He's got all. It's got all the women. You see the the Serpico poster. He kind of gets to play yeah. that. He's got uh, Bruce Lee mm-hmm. on there. He kind of plays that. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of the car. He gets that. Yeah. So it's like um, he's got all this stuff now. But apparently that wasn't enough. Like you can see in this scene, like that he's that's not um, what he's been looking for this whole time. He hasn't been 
everything that is it's the same thing like with any of these movies like with citizen kane even like you know you just kind of fill your life with stuff and not with real care for other people like you're not going to be as satisfied and you're just going to keep going off the deep end yeah that's right i mean he's just trying to fill like you said he's trying to fill a void with stuff and he can't do that and he hasn't figured out that he can't do that yet can we talk about amber yeah let's talk about amber julianne moore is like kind of perfect in this movie yeah. i mean geez she is incredible incredible um, like i shared this gif uh on twitter but that's like seriously those when she, she just looks absolutely gorgeous in this movie that one um that when the, the pool party scene at, at Jack's house, when she's got the, the red tube top on and the long skirt and her hairs. Uh, yes. Just the, that shot yeah. of her looking at Dirk through the window. She's just absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, she kills me in this. But um, yeah. And her character is so, um, yeah, she has the motherly thing and you can see like she does genuinely care for everybody in her circle Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same thing almost that Dirk is doing like she's trying to fill another void that's lost by her son that she can't be with which is very that that custody scene is that custody hearing um meeting that he she has later on with her husband and the lawyers and everything Mm -hmm. that's another like really heartbreaking scene and um all of the, all of those scenes but, that are kind of strong. At the same time, you know, I mean, there are <laughs> drugs around the house, and you know, all kinds of things that maybe a kid shouldn't be around. Uh, I mean, if she's somewhere else, fine. But I mean, just there, it's just, it's <laughs> just kind of like, it's tough. It's a tough situation because you definitely feel for her so much, but you've also seen her sit there and show. Dirk, how to do cocaine? Sure, <laughs> you know that stuff like that. So it's it's a it's a very complex part. I think yeah. that scene, kind of in particular, because there's like a string of scenes in that in that um, section of the movie. It's like Buck and Jesse can't get a loan from the mm-hmm. bank, and then there's yes. the custody mm-hmm. thing, and then there's yeah. the scene with Jack and Roller Girl. And then there's yeah. a scene with Dirk and and the guy that picks him up in the car. It's all about right, right. the. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To me, that that's just all about like the the stigma and the dangers really of sex work that yeah. they're yeah. they're showing, in that, and that's that's what makes it sad. It's like you can't. We're not going to give you money for this thing that has absolutely nothing to do with porn. You know, at the bank, you're not going to give right. you money for your stereo store because you're a porn star. Right, and that's the one that is probably like. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, I I understand. I mean, when it comes to things like uh, the custody thing, but maybe she wouldn't I, be doing that things if she could be with her son. You know, exactly, exactly. That's a tougher one for me because I think that the judge has some legitimate concerns, especially you know the, the drug element and um. You know, are you shooting movies while your son's there? I mean, that's probably and some of the parties that they show and stuff. It's it's like I I, I get that a little bit, but it should not be because. But also, one of the things that uh, PTA said on the commentary that he was trying to get across was her husband is one of these people who marries a porn star, thinking it's going to be so awesome. You know that this is just a person who is uh, I don't know insatiable. 
or something uh, to that effect, you know, and it's there, the people that would, would do this and would get married and, you know, occasionally have kids and it would just be like, they come home from work and it's like, and, and it's just not the world that you think it is, you know? Yeah. So it's not your fantasy. It's exactly, not yeah. what you see on, it's not what you see on screen. It's life, it's reality. And it's a, it's a job, it's work. That's one of the things that he's trying to convey there too. And I don't, I don't have any particular sympathy for her husband. Don't get me wrong. I'm not <laughs> saying that, but it's just, she's such a tragic figure in my eyes in mm-hmm. a lot of ways with just this loss and how she, in order to cope with it, kind of makes it worse. Just like you said, with her being shown doing a line of Coke right after she yeah. missed the call from her son. Ugh. And, you know, she's, and she talks about, you know, losing, you know, her, it's like, I, I, I miss my kids, you know, Andrew, who's her actual son. And then she says, and my Dirk, my Dirk <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Again, that scene with her and Roller Girl is, is one of my favorites, even though they're both like little like high and manic you know and what they're saying because they're both like on coke in this scene it's one of those things where it's like they're letting out all these like truths yeah (laughs) to each other at the same time and you can see uh, again with roller girl i I still wish we had gotten some more of her background but you can i kind of so little yeah i feel as if like she's maybe somebody that got into porn in a different way and like maybe they kind of rescued her and took her in you know and like do it in a more you know safe way where we're looking after you that maybe that's something that could have happened and and she said something about dirk and in that scene too because they both see like the changes that have happened in him you know with with the drugs and everything and she's like i i love if he wasn't so talented you know the bastard i still love him you know and that's That's kind of one of his downfalls too, is that he actually he does have something that um, that people want to see in the industry. Um, I thought that was like it's such a kind of a funny line, but also like in terms of like what what it's talking about at the beginning with him and his girlfriend when he says, you know, everyone's blessed with one special thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's talking about his dick, you know, but right. it's also like could be true for anything else. If you have a talent for, you know, anything else in the world, but you know, they're just happen yeah. to be talking about porn <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. So there's this enigmatic kind of moment, I think at the end that Julianne Moore plays really well too, where she's sitting at her mirror, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're about to make, another movie it's going to be just like the old days kind of thing and they show her just kind of sitting at her mirror it's hard to ascertain exactly what she's feeling is it she's a little bit happy that the family is there but there's a a bitterness and a sadness it seems like too there's a sadness not bitterness that's not the right word there's a sadness going on it's like yeah we've got this going on but the problems are still there you know, there's still other, is it just going to go back? Is it just going to happen again? Then there's also, I think a sense of she's getting a little older and Mm -hmm. maybe what am I going to do after this? You know, and that I I think there's something to that too. There's a really interesting series of documentaries called when porn ends. Uh I don't know if (laughs) you've seen any of those. I've seen one of them. I saw the first one. And I can't remember who it was. It was as a Kira or it was, ah, she's 
it's an Asian oh, I love actress. Her. I can't remember. I can't remember her name. It wasn't her. It was someone else. But she moved to Utah because porn is not legal in Utah. Oh, so okay. she just wanted to be away from it. <laughs> and it, I just thought that was really interesting because she had a child and was just like, I, I just want to be in a world where no one knows who I am. Yeah. You know, even though, I mean, obviously the internet does exist <laughs> <Sure>. in Utah. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, it's, it's all there, but it's just, I, I just found that interesting that that was the case. But I think there is that sense of, you know, w- what do I do now, especially if I've not done other things. But and there's also a sense, I think, though, that Jack will probably continue to, you know, even if they're not, if she's not appearing in the films, that she'll probably still be. We see her directing Buck's commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Directing Buck's commercial and those sorts of things, which I love that element. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of filmmaking in this movie. I mean, there's the films themselves. There's the commercial. There's uh, the documentary. Um, that she makes, that Amber makes, I think is, <laughs> I find that actually really funny, that yeah. documentary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I think is really, really clever and, and well done. And I, you know, just from a performance aspect, um, Julianne Moore was nominated for an Oscar for this. And she was Should expected, to, she was expected to win. Well, she lost to a really, really damn good performer, though. She lost to Kim Basinger in L.A. Confidential. Damn it. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 It's it's tough. I mean, this is this is the uh, this is the best actress pool that year, best supporting actress pool that year. Joan Cusack for In and Out, which I haven't seen. Julianne Moore for Boogie Nights. Kim Basinger for L.A. Confidential. Uh, Gloria Stewart for Titanic, uh, which I love. Gloria Stewart. There's not enough but of that. Yeah. There's not enough there, there, in my opinion. And Mini Driver for Goodwill Hunting. Now, to me, three of those performances are really, really outstanding. And I haven't seen Joan Cusack's. I haven't seen In and Out, so I don't know what June, Joan Cusack is. She's hilarious in that. In that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Mini Driver, Kim Basinger, and Julianne Moore all give really wonderful performances. So mm-hmm. it's that's a, that's a tough category that, tough. that year. Um, but Julianne Moore in this is, and then in Magnolia after this oh, yeah, is totally. just like unbelievable. I kind of see that sadness that you're talking about with her character, like throughout the whole movie though. Oh, and that's kind of the brilliance yeah. of it where she's again, you know, being very much the mother and putting everybody else ahead of herself. But it seems like, you know, she's taking care of everybody and Jack is kind of taking care of her but they don't really know kind of what she's going through. It feels like. Sure. But uh, another, I think kind of great aspect of her performance though, is the way that she acts in the porn movie. Like if you can take a really, really good actress and have them act bad. That's awesome. I love that so much. She is. I I think she's so funny. She is spot on in that scene. She really, really is. And, and, you know, I actually think the shot of her, just that close up of her, this is a giant cock. It's the funniest, yeah, I love that. funniest so fucking funny. line ever. Yeah. And I think Mark Wahlberg is really good in that too, at uh-huh. acting with that kind of badness, you know. 
That's one thing that Paul Thomas Anderson also says on the commentary. He says, when they were prepping this, he says, okay, you all think you're great actors. Wait till you have to act bad. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's, it really is. And uh, for goodness sake, you know, looking at sort of the secondary characters here, William H. Macy. Yeah. Uh, between this and Magnolia, I think, and and Fargo is just kind of at the top of his game. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman just kind of coming onto the scene here. Uh, this is pretty early on in his career. He's, he'd done other things, of course, but he was sort of something different. I mean, you look at like his role in Scent of a Woman or <laughs> and things like that, or in uh, the talent of Mr. Ripley, and he's sort of a stuffed shirt. You know, he's so different from what than Scotty. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when when Scotty first comes in, he's wearing those tight little shorts and he's wearing the tank top that's too small for him that doesn't cover his belly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just see that and you go, this dude is fearless. Yeah. He will do anything and he's going to do it really, really damn good. Another kind of scene that shows the, uh, the way that um, PTA kind of expertly you know not sound pretentious like goes from something very dark introducing something very light like when he comes in is the same scene as when they're taking the girl that's od'd out <laughs> right that's a good point so he does that really well it's like oh here's this really dark thing let's bring it back a little bit hey <laughs> look at philip seymour hoffman and how funny yeah like uh, another yeah. kind of little moment with him that i love is when they're he, he's trying on the same shirt that Reed and Dirk mm-hmm. try on, and, it and it's, it doesn't fit doesn't right. Fit. Oh, oh <laughs> poor man. thing. What I love about um, the kind of character that William H. Macy plays, though, is that, like you were saying, like uh, somebody who marries a porn star and then it's not what you think. It's it, he's kind of the yeah. the person who just doesn't fit in, right? You know, with this, right? You know, he's not really comfortable with everything that's that's going on you know in the in this world um it's a funny scene but it's also like kind of um all all of the scenes where he walks in on his wife are are kind of funny because uh the first one especially because it doesn't play out at all like you expect one of those scenes to play out you know and it's like that's my wife asshole and the guy is just like shrugs and was like sorry sorry (laughs) i know and you expect it to be like a big fight between two of them don't don't stop go yeah Yeah, it's very fun it's like and then when he goes and talks to ricky jay and says and he says my wife has an ass in her car (laughs) yes yeah i i think that is so funny and the The way that whole particular scene plays out with um You can see them in the background. His his wife is you know f- fucking another mm-hmm. guy while these people stand around watching. Again, it's funny, but yeah. it's also especially for that character, just kind of leading up to what happens, you know, with him later on, and just kind mm-hmm. of showing that maybe this isn't right for everybody. Right. right. He he thinks he's cool with it, like when you see him on set, and like he just again he treats it like anything else like a job like just making a movie but he's not the right kind of person to to be in this industry no. and that's where things go wrong yeah and you know i love the way william h macy just delivers lines he, he, the way he he enunciates words it's just, <laughs> i don't know something <laughs> about it it's just like it's so precise it just works so damn well and then when he plays drunk in magnolia and he doesn't 
articulate his lines. It's really funny. <laughs> so there's, I don't know. I just find it all really, I, I really admire him during this period. Um, it's, it's sort of this period that I think of him as, as sort of this great age for him. He did other things like The Cooler, which I thought was a really good movie too. I always remember him for some for some reason. I always remember him in this one particular scene on ER. <laughs> Because Which he I've was never like, seen a single episode. You've of never C- seen of ER. ER. My parents watched it religiously. I never saw a single episode. <laughs> I love that show. Yeah, he plays like one of the like head administrators of the hospital, or whatever. But he has a scene where he's had surgery, and so he's like high on morphine or something. And so he <laughs> he does that thing where he's like really funny and like kind of slurring his words, like morphine, damn fine stuff. I always remember that for some reason, like right. The way that he can play, like, yeah, all those different... He can be funny, he can be serious, and he can also be kind of that just bubbling underneath the surface kind of scary, like he is in this, the way he very coolly walks in. You don't see it, but, you know, obviously his wife is with a guy again, and then the, the way just kind of the camera follows him out to the car, yeah, calmly gets, gets that gun, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind yeah. of the... The turning point of the That's movie. the turning point, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Uh, and it's not that things stop dead. I mean, they still kind of carry on for a while. It's just there's mm-hmm. a darker tone to it. Oh, yeah. After that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of going down the cast list here and picking out people that we haven't talked about that I'd love to just hit real quick. Uh, Philip Baker Hall as Floyd yes. Gondoli. I think he's got one of the best single lines ever. <laughs> I'm a man of simple pleasures. I like butter, butter. in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. All right. What I love about so, that scene too, in the background, you can see the guy um, playing you the can see him laughing. He's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's out of focus. But you can oh, see him so the guy holding his hand up to his he, mouth and laughing his ass off. I love that scene. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Um, Alfred Molina. We got to talk about Molina. Yeah, we'll, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love who plays Becky Barnett. She is gorgeous. Who's she, that? She is. She is. Uh, uh, I don't know her real name. I forgot. And I, there's someone I obvious that I missed that I need to get back to. Oh, Nicole Ari Parker. I love her in this. She's yeah, she's wonderful. She's in. She's also in Remember the Titans, Black Dynamite, Blue Streak. Looks like a lot of Lifetime movies, um, or that sort of style. Um, but uh, I miss Don Cheadle. Oh my oh, gosh! Oh yeah, we've mentioned it. Yeah, uh, Buck. Um, but yeah, Buck is yeah Don Cheadle. He's so funny. This was the first movie I remember seeing Don Cheadle in. I think it was mine too. Yeah, and I think. Man, he's just he's just so wonderful in this. He is. He's, he's funny. He's got a but he's also got a got a sadness to mm-hmm. him. You know, he's kind of seeing he's kind of seeing Becky end up with this other guy and you know, even though they were co-stars, they were kind of together-ish and mm. um when that doesn't work out. You know, he's he's trying out different looks. You know, he's got the yeah. cowboy thing and then he then he's, what's that thing? It's like he looks like he's wearing like a angel costume. <laughs> I swear. I he's got a, it's like a choir robe with a I know. It's, it's so funny. Yeah, he's um, he seems like the one that's just keeps trying on different personalities, different. Yeah. Like, trying well, to find who I, he really is, you know? <laughs> what, what I love is 
he's a porn star. He gets paid to have sex. And what does he want to do? He wants to open a discount <laughs> stereo store. <laughs> I think that is one of the, that is the greatest character trait. I find that so charming. And one well, of the things that I never like really says, noticed. Well, like Reed says, you yeah. can't fuck forever. You got to have something. Can't afterwards. fuck forever. <laughs> <laughs> so that that I think I I, lo- I love that about it, and then you know that scene where he just comes uh, to the money into the money in the store. I mean, jeez, uh, <laughs> I mean it's so yeah. violent and shocking, and it's like a Christmas scene, which is wild. Because I, I actually I noticed a lot more like Christmas decorations in this movie than I ever had before. Because like the New Year's party uh, where Bill kill- kills himself. All the Christmas decorations are still up in the house. That's true. And yeah, and then like that same sequence where they're intercutting those different things where, you know, like um Dirk is with the guy in the car. There's he's like waiting at a place and there's like Christmas lights on the on the trees outside. Oh, and he talks it. about the and Christmas stuff. donuts. Yeah. So it's like this this whole sequence sort of happens at Christmas, which I thought was kind of an interesting touch. Boogie Nights is a Christmas movie, everybody. Sweet. Yeah, you can that's watch right. those I, every I, I, Christmas now. While I was wa- while I was watching that yesterday, I was like, forget the Die Hard thing. Let's let's talk about Boogie <laughs> Nights being a Christmas movie from now on. That sounds- yeah, so I think Don Cheadle is just so so good in this. I, everyone is really. I mean, sure. there's not. I mean, the the character of the Colonel. I mean, Robert Oof. Ridgely is is He's great. Really, really good in that role. I love the part where where. Where he has to look at his yes, penis. exactly. That is the funny, just, one of the funniest scenes. Just hold that look on his face forever. They held it so long. I used to think that that's where I thought that used. I used to think that was where the uh, like layer transition happened in my DVD, where it pauses for a second and goes to the to the next layer on the DVD. I used to think that's where nope. it was, but. But it's not. It's it's just it just holds for so long. It's so funny. And his expression doesn't change at all. <laughs> yeah. No. He not just, for just a moment. That weird smile on his face, and he's like, "Thank you." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then they bring in that whole that whole dark side of this, you know, with this, you know, child stuff, uh, mm-hmm. which is just. Uh, which is horrifying, you know, and then, then, you know, him knocking on the window, Jack, are we friends? Are we yeah. friends? And, and, and Jack just walks out. Well, um, it's, it's, I mean, it starts <laughs> out bad enough when like the reason he got, he got arrested, uh, another girl that he was with OD'd, but she was like 15. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah. that's, that's yeah. fucking dark mm-hmm. enough. And, and then yeah. when he admits to, I don't know if they, they probably found, maybe pictures or videos of what he, he doesn't really say specifically just the way he says that too is just it's so dark like what does he say exactly it like really they're is. so they're I just like remember. they're just like so small and sweet or whatever is yeah you know what he's yeah, talking he just, about i just they're, they're so they're so cute or something like that yeah it's it, it just like it's really disturbing yeah that it's that that character i mean it's Nice to see him in jail at the end, sort of getting oh, absolutely <laughs> getting a getting a bloody nose and crying in the corner. You're kind of happy to see it, frankly. Honestly, it's nice to see Jack abandon him in that scene yeah. too. It just shows that Jack is a person of scruples. Yes, you know, 
he's he's a person of morals. He's not going to stand for that I, shit. Absolutely, which I yeah, kind of like that. Absolutely, like I like seeing that you know in his character. I like Ricky Jay a lot. Yeah. I like seeing him in movies. Uh, he's he's terrific as the cameraman as as Kurt Kurt Long John. <laughs> Everyone of course has <laughs> has this has this fake name, right? Um, I think that's, that but, was his last name. <laughs> yeah, and I think the magic stuff that that uh brock is seen doing was probably all taught to him by ricky jay because he's sort of a, a master of reed. that sort reed of is stuff. i'm reed that's what i meant i'm getting i'm getting all the names messed up myself yeah reed the the champagne thing and- no that's another funny scene i think it's at becky and jerome's wedding i think it's a scene between um reed and and buck when he's doing that the card <laughs> the, the magic, <laughs> the, what about all the evil forces doesn't it make you nervous dealing with all those evil forces and he's like no it's an illusion <laughs> and, and like, yeah it's confusion it's confusing <laughs> thank you <laughs> love that just a moment it doesn't mean anything to the plot or anything, but it's just like a no, really funny moment. Those between the are characters. the moments that more are the best, human yeah. moments, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Melora Walters as Jesse St. Vincent, yeah. who is ends up ends up being uh, Buck's uh, partner. Is I I love them together. I love in them this. together. They're so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, there's just the sweetest couple in this, and you really feel for him. And I, I know he comes about getting the money because, you know, of a pretty dark situation. Sure. But when he's when he's seen, you know, getting to open this he stereo kinda, shop, he kind of deserves it. To, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. In a really I dark know. Way. Yeah, yeah. And then her having their baby is. Mm-hmm. It, it's just. And the song God Only Knows playing is really nice. You know, God Only Knows What I'd Be Without You has that great sort of ending feeling there. I I really enjoy all that stuff. Um, They're kind of the one, like, happy story, it feels like, you know, out of this whole movie. Like, if you weren't, maybe if you weren't paying enough attention to them on the side, like, here's the... Here's the happy couple, <laughs> something, a little something yeah. out of the, the darkness in this last part of the movie. Yeah. All right, you want to talk yeah. about the scene now? The Sister Christian okay. scene? The Sister Christian scene. Whew. Okay, so Alfred Molina, I didn't even recognize him. After after a while, when I saw him in like Spider-Man 2 and all that stuff, I knew <laughs> who he was. But when I saw this, I was like, and people said that's Alfred Molina. I was like, what? Really? That's Alfred Molina. <laughs> I, I, I did, did, did not draw that comparison. I didn't realize it was him for so long. He's one of those actors that you always love to see. Yeah. And I love, you know, just the random guy lighting firecrackers and throwing <laughs> them around the room. And every time one of those things pops, all three of them that are on the couch just jump, you know, yeah. <laughs> especially, especially after uh, he pulls out the gun. Right. Sure. But he, he it doesn't even Phase him, no. <laughs> you know. I don't know how they did that. Did, did he have earplugs? He, in? he had an earpiece in did, that was like just blaring Sister okay. Christian. They said so he couldn't actually oh, hear it. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if it was that or if yeah. they just had him hang hanging hanging out, getting used to the sound of it. No. For, <laughs> he was wearing an earpiece for that scene so okay. that he wouldn't react that with the makes, other guys. Makes total sense. That is so because it is so funny. You know, the sister Christian thing, it's like and he's like, This is my awesome mix, you know, number number eleven. <laughs> he thinks that is what is this, number eleven? So then it, then it goes to it, it's like number six or something like that. Uh the close ups. <laughs> But, you know, when he pulls out the gun and uh, you want to see something really fascinating, you know, and there, he's over there, the his bodyguards over there weighing the what we know is not really cocaine that they're trying. <laughs> yeah. There's a really interesting shot in that, too, where it just holds on Wahlberg's face mm-hmm. yeah. for a really, really long time. It does. And just his his reaction, it's like everything that got him to this point is going through his head in that moment. Yeah. You know, I don't know when this was shot in the sequence of the movie, but this really feels like something where it was like Mark Wahlberg actor, you know, has kind of a The actor He's comes learned out. Enough. <laughs> yeah. The, the, he, he really, by now he he had really figured out some of the things that he picking up stuff from his co-stars. I don't know, but he really is just dynamite in this scene. I don't know what, um, how else to describe it. It's just, he's just so good here. I, I still find myself getting cringy during the scene. Right. You know, <laughs> you feel the tension of it still, even after seeing it, I've seen this movie a bunch. So. Uh, the the um, music and the situation that you know the guys are in, the firecrackers, it's intense. <laughs> and the unpredictability, I think, of Todd's character in particular, Todd, yeah. that always kind of gets to me. This scene is uh, kind of, again, bringing back to John Holmes, it's kind of loosely based off of the Wonderland murders. Yes. Brings it back to reality in a way that was... That was a thing where uh, it was like a drug house where four people were like bludgeoned to death. And we don't really know for sure if John Holmes was actually involved. It's still known as like unsolved murders, but he was arrested. He and two other people were arrested and they were all acquitted of it. There was a movie of that too. Yeah, it's called uh, Wonderland. It's just called Wonderland, I think. Yeah, starring Val Kilmer. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. It probably came out, honestly, as a little bit of a response to this. You know, it's like, hey... There's a <laughs> idea, you know. <laughs> I also like well before even before the scene starts. I like the way that this part is introduced. Like there's a little bit little title cards throughout the movie. This one in particular is really mm-hmm. interesting. It just says "long way down" in parentheses. One last, one last thing. thing. I thought that yeah. was a really interesting way of, of doing that. When before yeah, it, it was just really like good. '80s it was another one. Um, I can't remember if there was, there was one before that. There's one that was that says Tuesday, September 1983. Yeah. And it doesn't say the day. It just says the year and the the day of the week. It's very interesting in the month. That's it right. It doesn't say the actual <laughs> date. But that's the day of the hearing with mm. between Amber and her husband. That's right. Yeah. So this this scene is is great. And I yeah, Alfred Molina is just kind of steals the almost the whole movie with his one little uh his one little role here uh, i think it maybe part of it has to do with i love the way he's just it's showing like the the excess and the, the way of life is doing the lifestyle porn thing of yeah the, all the excess of, of the drugs and um of this time period and he's just kind of 
in his house and you know his robe and underwear and like oh he's just shooting off firecrackers because that's just what we do and like it's all just very normal to them and it's just it's yeah. it's just very awkward and weird to watch that you know this was that this was the life for some people when yeah. again where it's like it's very kind of fun and quirky on the outside but very dangerous underneath yeah yeah, and you know that's again similar to Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. There's sort of the lure of the surface of it, but then there's some elements that are that can be dangerous. Um, yeah. One of the things that I and this isn't original to me, but in the very ending, when Mark Wahlberg's there in front of the mirror reciting his lines, yes, <laughs> again PTA talking about sort of the levels of pretending that they've nearly forgotten who they really are. By this point, there's a point in the documentary in the middle where he says, you know, I'm Dirk Diggler. I'm playing a character called Brock Landers. That's it's not like, me. Yeah. It's like, no, actually, Dirk Diggler is also a character. Yep. You know, you are Eddie Adams. What PTA says at the end, and I kind of wrote it, wrote this down as you have these levels of pretending that are happening in this scene. You have... Mark Wahlberg pretending to be Eddie Adams, pretending to be Dirk Diggler, pretending to be Brock Landers, pretending to be Robert De Niro, pretending to be Jake LaMotta, pretending to be Marlon Brando, pretending to be Terry Malloy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that is all happening in that last moment. And I think that is kind of brilliant because there's that, there is that level, I think, where a lot of these characters have kind of forgotten where they came from, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're, they have been pretending so long that they are this other persona. It could be easy to lose oneself in all of it. There's also a sense too, um, yeah. since that, that scene of the mirror, uh, mirrors, you know, him in sitting in front of the mirror before he does his first porn shoot, there's also kind of a sense to me and with that, that tracking shot that happens before of Jack going through the house, you know, after all this has happened in all of their Mm -hmm. lives and like, they're all just a little bit different. They're playing with the baby in the pool. Jesse's painting and Buck is setting up the stereo, you know, um, Mm -hmm. roller girl is, you know, cleaning her room and, you know, doing her homework. You know, she's obviously going to get her duty. Like they've all, they're all back. They're all kind of in a way back to where they started, but they're, they're starting a new life. And it's a good thing that they're back, they're back to where they started yeah. in a good way. They're starting fresh. Like they've, they've been through the ups and major, major downs. And now I think they're they're They seem a lot happier at the end. I think it's, it's a very happy ending mm-hmm. to me. I don't know if that's wrong or not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the, I, I think largely it is, but I, I think that, that as with this whole movie and, you know, I keep on comparing it to Goodfellas, um, <laughs> there is that element of sadness. I mean, in, in Goodfellas, it's death and fear and, all of that Mm -hmm. going on. But here it's just, especially in Amber, I just see this, like she just looks either numb or just so sad. Like, yes, I'm so glad we're happy and together, but how long is this really going to last? I, I I feel that a little bit from her. There's still like a a hope for change, you know, from everybody, like, especially Mm -hmm. when, um, Mm -hmm. When Jack is, you know, then Buck, they're talking about the stereo and he's saying like, you want more bass or whatever. He's like, no, I want mellow. I want a mellow, mellow, mellow. Like he's talking. It's like feels like he's talking yeah. about his life now. You know, he wants to 
mellow out now and yeah, yeah. have a happier, like maybe less exciting, less eventful life than they were having before. You know, sure. And um, but yeah, there is still that sadness with her character, unfortunately. Yeah. There, there is. There know. is. And but you know what? You are a star. <laughs> all right. And that is a moment uh, yes, that we can is. all we can all uh, keep in mind as we go on, right? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, so. getting to see. And, and you what know, everyone's been talking about. <laughs> I love on the commentary. Because PTA says, all right, yep, that's a big old fat fake dick. On <laughs> but in terms of just the movie, like, I, I kind of love that he did that, you know, because you could, I mean, obviously you could do it two ways. You could either go through this whole movie and just never actually see this thing that they're talking about the whole time. Or, you know what? You could just freaking show it. And I kind of love that he did, that he made that choice. Yeah. Because I think yeah. that's just, I think that's brilliant. Because obviously it's very memorable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, it's, I don't know. It's honestly a pretty brilliant way to end the movie. I think so. Yeah. So, <laughs> end it with a bang, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's the money shot. It's the money shot. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Right. At it's the end. what you've been. You've watched this whole movie. That's exactly what you want to see. At the end, it's like okay. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So, oh man, I, this is you know, and I mentioned to you, I PTA talks a lot about his adoration of Jonathan Demi, and sure, yeah, I can see that uh, the way he does close-ups and stuff like that is all there. But this movie to me has Scorsese all over it. it does. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a very. I mean. If if there's a movie that is was influenced by Scorsese, it's it's Boogie Nights. I mean, yeah, especially Goodfellas. I mean, Goodfellas seems to have just like a direct line to this movie, and I don't mean that in a derivative way. I think what he, he took some of those, and you know, he also gets compared a lot to Altman in these early movies because mm-hmm. he's got a lot of characters, the ensemble that cast, are, and yeah, yeah, the I'm ensemble that is interacting and talking over yeah. each other and that kind of yeah. thing. But you know, people would deride him as Altman light. But it's not really what he was doing. He wasn't doing what Altman was doing exactly. Uh, so, man, this movie is just, it's always fun to revisit. I always have a good time revisiting this movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I remembered everything I wanted to say, but gosh, yeah. Yeah. I love this. I hope I hope we hit all the high points with, you know, why this movie is great and why we love it. And yeah, like you said, always, always fun to revisit for the soundtrack you know, for oh yeah, the... that's another Scorsese thing to totally. me. Totally, is, is all the is all the way the time is gauged by right, exactly the, uh, the music. You know, watching a lot of these actors in their early roles and just all of them absolutely killing it. And yeah, it's just it's a joy, true joy. It's it's it really is. It really <laughs> is. And now, are you ready to go on to the next one? Sure, let's do it. All right, so. Uh, from 1999, also a movie about making movies, Bowfinger, starring Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, uh, Heather Graham again, and some some others. Yeah, lots of great actors in this movie, and I'm in all sorts of different roles. All right. So I just kind of love how this starts. Uh, you get the sense that Bobby Bowfinger at one time maybe actually had some level of talent <laughs> you know <laughs> you see you see these things he was things he was a part of when he was young 
you know mm -hmm. this movie also starts out kind of similarly there's like a little through the opening credits there's like a tracking yeah, shot through his house there, is. <laughs> there sure is there sure is when it ends up on him and it, it's like great script great script it's like he's read citizen king i know you know i mean it's like read the greatest script he has ever seen in his life and then Ephraim, come here. You've you've written a great script. You know, <laughs> here's where we have the start of the fam found family again. You know, yep. you've got this little group of of players. You know, uh, Christine uh, Baranski is wonderful as Carol. She's amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, Jamie Kennedy. I really like Jamie Kennedy in this. Yes, too. I think he um, he sort of gets. I don't know. He gets thought of in sort of sort of a goofball because of you know like the the punk and he didn't do punk he did the other one you know the, the jamie where, kennedy experience yeah, the jamie something. kennedy experiment yeah the where it was just sort of like a jackass kind of thing you know i things like that he's more of a straight man here but he's still like subtly funny the way he delivers his lines he's mm -hmm. perfect yeah i think he's great in this uh adam alexi mal plays afrim uh the writer slash accountant <laughs> slash slash secretary i can't remember what he says yeah. receptionist is a part part-time receptionist yeah and then uh cole sudeth is slater uh so that group is sort of the first beginning core here and there is sort of a family atmosphere they've been with him a while you know waiting for him he says i know things have been dry lately and they're like yeah there's nothing you know and uh just but i read a script last night it's like tell him what it is chubby <laughs> Ray, <laughs> you hear this, it's like, oh my gosh, he's Roger Corman. Or, you know, maybe a low rent Roger Corman at that, you know. Uh -huh. uh, the aliens come down in the raindrops, <laughs> making them chubby. <laughs> this is the great script that he supposedly was reading. <laughs> oh, I just, I love that idea that it sets it up like this is a real, almost a mogul of some sort, you mm -hmm. know. And then we hear right off the bat that no, he's a he's at best a a schlockmeister, right? He's apparently got a studio called Bowfinger International, International. Pictures, and it's like it is house. They show the outside of his house, <laughs> and it's trashed, and it's like it's the like the slums of the Burley Hills. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's great. I love his house though. That Spanish style is very yeah. Cool. On the inside, it very is. cool. It is. Yeah, you know, and then just just this idea of you know the FedEx truck at the beginning being brought up is is nice, you know, um, <laughs> and the way he says it says one day someone's gonna casually throw a couple of FedExes on my desk, and when that happens, we and by we I mean me, me. <laughs> will be important. <laughs> yeah. yep. And that's very it's a very Steve Martin kind of kind of thing, you know. I mean, this is Steve Martin wrote this, right? Yes. It's got that that sense of humor to it. And I love the Steve Martin sense of humor. I, that is my kind of humor. I just love what he does. I think he's so funny. The whole movie feels like a, a mockery of Hollywood, obviously, like poking uh -huh. fun at all the little you know, inside deals and everything that goes on. 
but there's also like an element of truth to everything at the same time. Oh yeah. That he's making fun of. And that's why it's so brilliant. Like, especially something like the scene where Heather Graham arrives, where do I go to be an actress? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like that, you know, that story of, you know, the girl who arrives on the bus wanting to be an actress, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's an element of truth to that, but it's also kind of funny. And I think that's such a brilliant way to do the script. There are some real teeth to this. You know, a Mm -hmm. lot of the reviews I was looking at as people are talking about how, you know, it's just fun. I don't know if it's a great movie, but it's fun. It's like, there's some real satire in this. Oh, absolutely. There's some, there's some real heavy teeth, you know, sharp teeth in this movie. And I, I, that's one of the things I love about it. I also love, you know, sort of his Ed Wood attitude about things. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's, this is going to be amazing, you know, and he doesn't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to be amazing. This whole thing where he fakes like he's on the phone, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he's got the cord up his sleeve from a car phone and oh man. And Robert Downey Jr. in this little role is really good. Kind of what I picture is Jerry Renfro. Ooh, starts nice. Flips through the whole script. Gotcha, suckers. I just saw the poster. (laughs) That's all so good. But then they talk about Kit Ramsey. Now, what do you think of Kit Ramsey? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, He's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, man. He's very exaggerated. Um, but again, in a way where you can see that there's probably a little bit of truth to it with like these big stars with big egos who yep. think that they're, they should be the center of everything, the center of every movie they make. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see. <laughs> and, you know, and the thing is, okay. Eddie, Eddie Murphy was kind of, he was in a lull before this came out, as I recall, where, you know, maybe he was seen as maybe phoning it in a little bit. He's not phoning at all. Oh god, no. at all in this <laughs> at all. Not for one second. Not only does he get the joke, he realizes I think that it's a little tiny bit at least about him. Hmm? I think you so. Know? Maybe. Cuz I mean, massive star. I mean, think about Eddie Murphy in this period. One of the biggest stars in the world, but also understands the joke. You know, he yeah. gets the joke. Totally. And I I I think all this stuff that they do, like the whole mind head thing with sort of the pseudo Scientology uh, kind yeah. of cult that he's involved in. And, and, Terrence you know, Stamp. like, I love seeing oh. Terrence stamp is amazing as the guy yeah. who's in tr- charge of mind. What's his name? Like a Terry stricter. He yeah. is amazing. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, I love that we we do the little happy premise number one thing at home. This is one of those things we we quote sometimes. Ever since you you uh you seem to be doing much better now that you've rec- you've embraced happy premise number one. Happy premise number one. There are no aliens. <laughs> happy premise number two. There is no giant foot trying to squash me. <laughs> Happy premise number three. Happy premise number three. Even though I think I might ignite, I probably won't. <laughs> I, I love those. And that's like, and what must we never ever do? Oh man! <laughs> it's like, come on! What must we never do? I've got to show it to the Laker girls. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we mustn't show it to the Laker, Laker girls. girls. <laughs> Keep Mr. Weenie in the pants. Another uh, Boogie Nights uh, reference there, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's also kind of one that's true, I think, of this film and a Boogie Nights in that first scene with Kit Ramsey where he's he has that line. Like I was talking about before, like the, the similarities between porn and like Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah. He has a line where he says specifically, we're trying to make a movie, not a film. Here, not a film. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the same concept. And then, and then I love that he's surrounded by all these yes men. You yes. know, he's got that that assistant who's who's like. He's doing something. I don't know what it is. What's he doing? What's he doing? And, and, and this is, the, the word KKK, KKK appears in this script exactly, you know, this many times. Like, like okay. Oh, my God. Some covert shit going on here. I mean, it's just like just just uh, un- unbelievable kinds of things. I think I think that stuff is so fun. then he pulls out the gun, you know, and he and he, sh- you know, shoots the drum symbols. symbols. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just really funny. I mean, it's it's introduces that character so well but at the same time when his brother gets introduced it makes you just remember how much you love eddie murphy too oh absolutely him doing dual roles is the best (laughs) yeah i mean you find him funny as kit ramsey i find him funny as kit ramsey i should say oh yeah totally uh but i dislike him immensely you know and sure. i think that's the point right you know yeah. you're supposed to the guy the guy's just he's got a massive ego he's so far up his own ass i mean all of that uh he's you know dirk diggler at the height of his uh yeah. <laughs> you know height of his popularity right sure. then when when uh jiff comes in you're just like oh man i love eddie murphy he's so wonderful <laughs> you know great. do you have any experience in you know the, the film industry well yeah i'm a i'm an active renter at uh, blockbuster at blockbuster <laughs> yeah I, I like okay I, I'm I have I'm kind of going in order of the notes that I have. I hope that's okay. I don't have a ton of them, but but well, we haven't really said like exactly what the plot, what they're doing here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah this, this chubby rain movie that they they want Kit Ramsey mm-hmm. to be in it, but they know that they can never yeah. get him. So his brilliant idea, Bowfinger's brilliant idea, is to just film the movie without him knowing and have their yeah. their actors come up to the, him and, and say their lines but they don't know that he's got this paranoia yeah. about actual aliens, aliens possibly <laughs> yeah well and another thing is that is so great is you know no one in his own company is in on it either except for uh jamie kennedy's character you know who you kind of has to know someone has to know yeah. um, in order to make this work. And I love, you know, how this whole thing that he, when I was 10, I started setting aside a dollar a week because I knew I wanted to make movies. And so this is enough to get us started. It's $2,184. <laughs> it's really funny. Cause that sounds like a lot of money to save. It sounds like a really good idea. Let's save, you know, a dollar a week for that many years is really not that much. <laughs> 52 weeks a year. Say, is, know, that, is, the math even, is the math even right yeah. on that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it he, has, on that, how old he, is, he yeah. has that scene later on where he's like, I'm only like 40. He's obviously not like 40. He's <laughs> definitely like, it's like I can pass for 40, maybe 38. <laughs> but, I don't yeah. think so, dude. <laughs> 
so cash every movie costs two thousand one hundred eighty four dollars. And JB Kennedy is already like, don't movies cost millions of dollars? Like, no, no, that's after gross net profit step you know he just does the whole <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love all that it's so good we're gonna gather the best crew we can <laughs> yeah and then they that that's a little bit insensitive i gotta a little admit, bit you know, yes. that whole yeah where, where they they go to the border and they pick up they go to the border and they pick up some mexicans who are trying to uh yeah uh coming to america uh like you said before they end up yeah that's part that's kind of part of the joke too because they end up being like kind of the smartest and most talented people in the crew yeah they know exactly they're learning about film in every way they possibly can and i i think it's I think it's pretty funny still. I mean, when the when the one guy sitting there reading Cahiers du Cinema, you know, the French uh, film criticism magazine, while while the other guy is doing a needlepoint, I get right. he's doing a needlepoint of something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and uh, I, I I love that. Then later they're talking about Citizen Kane and Apocalypse Now uh, <laughs> while they're getting ready to shoot for the day. And just the way all the characters interact is really interesting because all these characters are really beautifully drawn. I think uh, Christine Baranski as Carol is so funny. She's sort of this diva, you know, she's sort of like Gloria Swanson's character in Sunset Boulevard. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, she's, she's, she's always acting. She always, she's always uh, in a character, <laughs> you know, of some sort. It's like, <laughs> I will do it for the craft. Yeah. Kind of and person. again, it's that thing of a really great actress doing an awesome job of playing a bad actress. A bad actress. <laughs> the scene that she does with Kit is so funny. It was like, why? Why? <laughs> so she comes up to him at the restaurant. At the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and then showing like the her the actress the act, real actress playing the actress you know, watching herself as a bad actress when she's watching that scene in the parking garage the, just yeah. the look on her face the way her eyes go wide and she's watching she's like he's brilliant <laughs> you know and she's talking about kids <laughs> who doesn't even know that he's in, in the movie like, she is so he, spot on with that role <laughs> when when bowfinger sets up all the rules you know so these are the things that uh, Kit Ramsey needs us to do. First of all, we can't talk to him. We can't. <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, it's, it's customary to meet the people that you're working with. You know? <laughs> no, it's, an, it's, it's a like, new kind of um, filmmaking technique we're doing. It's cinema nouveau. <laughs> cinema nouveau. Yeah. I love that. It's just like, oh, okay. And later when she talks to him in, in the alleyway and it's like, I know I'm not supposed to do this but i just admire you so much and uh i just wanted to come down and see them shoot you today yes shoot me (laughs) (laughs) it's great okay i I feel like i'm just i don't have a have a format to talk about this at all it's just kind of um one of those things where it's just this movie is just a blast to go through um so some of the um we've talked uh, quite a bit about kit and bowfinger and carol um how about daisy uh played by heather graham i love daisy of course i think she's so funny in this and it's a little there's some in like you mentioned some inside jokes to uh boogie nights oh absolutely and her role in boogie nights in this well like when she's talking about doing nudity on screen yeah, <laughs> yeah. she she lists off all of those reasons that 
are very actually very valid reasons you know that yes. actresses give for once wanting to do nudity but wanting to do it the right way <laughs> but they're like you know as long yeah. as it's for the character and it's not just about a body but it's artistic you know <laughs> but which it's funny, but it's, it's also more funny that it's coming from her. And it was like, she did full frontal in Boogie Nights just two in years Boogie earlier. Nights, yeah. 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 The reasons that, you know, she probably did it in that was for, you know, those reasons that she's talking about. And, you know, because it was about the characters, mm-hmm. about the story. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. anything exploitative <laughs> at all. But it still, it yeah. still comes off as a very <laughs> funny little moment. Well, and Daisy is sort of set up as just getting off the bus and, yes. and you know, where do I be, go to become an actress? Like she's so naive that she will do anything anyone tells her. She will and do then, anyone. <laughs> yeah. And that, but then it turns out she is the yep. most savvy of any of them by yep. far. And, and it sort of reverses, you know, sort of the casting couch culture exactly. thing. That's what I love. You know, the, it's, it's all on her. I mean, she's a sex positive woman who knows what she wants and she knows how to get it. And, you know, think what you will about her tactics. She, she knows what she's doing and she's okay with it. Or she you know? just is not yeah. that much of a stickler about it. And she likes these people and she wants to have sex with them. It's just funny watching. There you go. <laughs> It, yeah, which is totally fine, but it's just fun. Yeah, it is funny. Funny watching those roles being reversed and watching uh, Steve Martin's yeah. reactions to that. When yeah, it would normally be the guy, <laughs> the producer, you know, in that role. The well, I mean, because because she goes, she starts out sleeping with the star, right? Slater, the younger yeah, Slater, and then it's like. Well, I don't really know that it's, it's the, it's the writer that can give you more scenes, you know, you know, so <laughs> she goes like, and oh, she the sleeps writer with does that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she goes and sleeps with Afrim and then it's like, well, that's not really my call. That's up to the director. Like, so she <laughs> starts the relationship with Bowfinger. And then when it comes out that Jif is Kit Ramsey's brother, she's like, oh, I could this uh, go beyond thinking about the next movie, and uh, it's like I just had sexual intercourse in the van. And then I love this, like Daisy. I need to talk with you. Says we're over. You had sex with Jif. So So? well, I never thought about it that way. (laughs) That's one of my favorite exchanges. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I find that so funny. Uh, Exactly showing showing like all sides of it kind of at the same time and yeah. the comments yeah. on all sides of it. And it's very brilliant the way that's done. Yeah. The way it's done. And then, and then, then at the premiere, she's with her day. So no, but or later at the very end of the movie, she's like, uh, here's this is, this is one of the most powerful, powerful lesbians. lesbians in Hollywood. In Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very funny. It's yeah. I was actually like, I'm really wondering what you're thinking of this character because I, 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 I thought it was still funny, but I was like, has this, is this one of those things that hasn't aged well? I'm not sure, <laughs> but I think it's because I think it's because of the satire of it, that it's still funny yeah. because it is, it is satirical. It's turning it on its head. It's putting the power in her hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it makes it, it, so I think it still works in that sense. Um, and, and it's still funny. And the character shows throughout the whole movie that she does have her own agency as naive oh, as she's as she's shown to be in the beginning. She absolutely has her own mm-hmm. agency and makes her own decisions throughout the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I'm from Ohio, but I'm not, not from Ohio. Exactly. <laughs> and like you said, yeah. she ends up being one of the smartest one. Like she she knows 
that Kit doesn't know that he's actually in the movie. And the way that she kind of uh, leads him through that whole like final part uh, of the movie. Uh-huh. Like, it's like she, you know, this is her first like quote unquote movie, whether or not this is an actual, she can call this an actual movie to put on her, her reel or whatever. Is in Madagascar and Iran. At a, for debate <laughs> she's kind of it's like she's kind of she's learned you know she's she's kind of getting it at at the end at this point and she's um the the fact that i don't know i kind of liked too how comfortable she is kind of with everybody like again like showing how naive she is but she's still like not really afraid to be herself and not really afraid to interact with kit even you know when she knows that he doesn't know that he's in the movie and like like i said just the way she leads him around that last part she's so in control of that scene like when oh yeah you would almost kind of expect her to be kind of like nervous around him she's not i love her i love her yeah and again again with a good actress doing the bad acting thing like what kind of accent is she doing he's so Body over what the kind there. of body movements is she doing mm. when she's like running after him in the car with the briefcase? Yeah, <laughs> or I, that one. I think it's a. It's kind of like a little famous shot. I remember this shot from the trailer when um, in the alleyway when she's kind of and she just kind of does this thing where she she's like moving her hips back and forth. I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's that like, is why great. are you doing that? I mean, it's so yeah. funny and it's brilliant yeah you know what's funny about heather graham i mean she just seemed to have this moment where she was just everywhere i mean she has uh she's in of course boogie nights she's in uh the austin powers, austin sequel. powers. you know she's so funny this, in that <laughs> she you know it's felicity shagwell i mean that was a big role i mean that was an important that was if everyone was going to anticipate you know what who's going to be the quote-unquote bond girl in this one you know that was pretty big deal because that was a big movie you know she ends up playing the casey becker character in stab inside the scream movies you know mm-hmm. all kinds of things like that and and then it just seems like she just sort of st- stopped or uh, just don't did stop seeing her we don't so see much. her as much and yeah. it was yeah and she was in i mean she's in swingers she's in drugstore cowboy she's in twins oh <laughs> drugstore cowboy yeah uh, she's in the twin peaks movie anger management hangover one and three apparently horns from hell remember from hell uh, oh the wow jack the ripper thing with uh mm-hmm. with uh johnny depp i mean yep. She was in so much, a lot of it really interesting work, but I just she was really seen her. She was really brilliant at comedy, though. I think that was probably her strong suit. You could tell that she she got it. She always knew what movie she was in, and she acted it to a T. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm. I kind of miss seeing her. I mean, because she was sort of one of those actresses where I always was happy to see her Mm -hmm. in a movie. And I and I and I don't know if she ever got those quote unquote lead actress roles that she probably deserved. She absolutely deserved. She she got she got a lot of uh, great supporting work. You know, which there's nothing wrong with that either. No. Yeah. So I think seeing her here and in boogie nights together just made me remember how great she really is don't make this sad we were having so much fun (laughs) i didn't mean to make that sad um so how about we do this let's talk about john cho uh who has a cameo in this you know for 10 seconds did you notice john cho in this john cho from uh he's uh 
uh, from Harold and Kumar go to and all those that. sorts of things. <laughs> oh, okay. He's in, okay. He's in American pie. He's the, he's the Asian American who uh, shouts milf, 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 milf. He's in lots of, th- he was in searching. He's in, he's, he plays Sulu in the new Star Trek movies. He's, he was on the second season of the exorcist. Oh man, I love John Cho. He's great. <laughs> okay, so he plays he plays a guy. I will have to see. John he plays Cho. a guy vacuuming vacuuming a, a, a lobby in this movie. Anyway, what oh, I was okay. going to say, we, yeah, yeah. We, we we should be talking about uh, Eddie Murphy's other character in this, which is uh, Jeff Jefferson. 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 I okay. So at some point, they realize that they're going to need to have. I guess a stunt double for Kit Ramsey. Yeah. And so they find this guy. Oh, oh also who does, the, the recent movies that Kit's done where he's shown his ass have been more po- popular. So they need an actor who's also going to be able to show his ass. <laughs> so, so we need an actor with a fabulous ass and mine's the wrong. Call. Oh man. That's a very Steve Martin line. Yeah. I mean, he, he's so funny. I mean, he's, he's sort of like the opposite of self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. And I just find that so refreshing. <laughs> exactly. In a lot yeah, of his that's work. True. You know, I like it's that. so funny. But but you know him as an actual human being, that is not the way he is mm-hmm. either. You know, so it really works. Well, and it's completely, you know, the opposite of what his character is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. When you see him at the beginning, of course, hopefully one of your first thoughts is, oh, that ponytail is a no no. And then he just rips it yeah. off before the meeting. Rips it off. <laughs> With it's, Terry Winfrey. It's great. <laughs> it's such a perfect moment. Great stuff. And it just shows what a what a con this guy is. Yeah, you know? He's always hustling, always playing the game, uh, trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. <laughs> but again, he's also kind of got that Edward passion just for wanting to mm-hmm. make something, no matter how yeah. shitty it is, you know? Yeah. He's got he's got this passion for movies or he's probably you can kind of get from maybe the pictures you know in his house before maybe like you said he was kind of something before and he's fallen but so it's still there he just doesn't have the power to do something good (laughs) so he's just trying to do anything he can and there's something admirable in that too you know i think so I, Steve Martin, I I find to be just absolutely brilliant. I love yes. his early stuff, his later stuff. I, he's just consistently been brilliant throughout his whole career. You know, even in movies that are not great, he is always delivering. One movie that I've been thinking of that would be good to do for the show. I don't know what the topic would be. I would love to talk about parenthood. Oh, yeah. That's like one of my favorites. Movies that take place in our home state. Is that in Washington? No, you'd have to pick it because it takes place. Oh, that's right. It's in St. Louis. It's in St. Louis around there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually watched it in so long. Yeah, that's right. That'd be cool. I don't know what I'd pick. (laughs) Malignant? No, I'm not going to pick it. I was just thinking that too. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's the most recent one that I can think of. Malignant hasn't grown on me the way it's grown on many others. I I think I, I had a good time. I had a good time with it. Anyway. Yeah, this is the Steve Martin that I I love seeing. This kind of humor and this kind of story, this is like a perfect role for him to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously he wrote the role for himself. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And uh, it's... but he knows his strengths, you know, he knows, he what, knows what he can really do well. And I think 
Eddie Murphy, uh, I, I think uh, Roger Ebert's review for this movie said, Eddie Murphy gives the third greatest comedic performance of the year in this movie as Kit Ramsey. And he gives the number one comedic performance of the year as Jif. That's so, so yeah, Steve uh, Martin. Uh, so it's Jif, Steve Martin, and then yeah, Kit, Kit uh, Ramsey. Yeah, and <laughs> these performances are all terrific. But Jif, I, I like I said before, he's just so endearing. He's such he a is. goofball, and he's like, you know, he's just so excited to be able to run errands. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I just yeah, yeah, I, really, I really, no, you wouldn't mind uh, maybe doing some things where you run errands. Think, oh man, I've been really hoping to break into a job running errands. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> and the thing is the way Murphy plays him, it just sounds nothing like himself at all yeah. uh, that, that we know of. I mean, he's got, he changes his voice in a way that his patterns of speech are so different than he usually gives and, you know, his most iconic roles in things like Beverly Hills cop or um, coming to America, you know, obviously he's playing a, a person with an accent and coming to yeah. America, but you know, so just the way he's, he's delivering... not like loud and like talking fast, yeah, you know, doing that fast yeah. talking thing that he usually does. Yeah. He's tamed it way, way down for this. And it's almost even funnier <laughs> the way he does it. It really is. And, you know, getting him to, to do all sorts of things like, would you be willing to cut your hair? Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's usually better if someone else does it. <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. <laughs> that was like one of the funniest lines. We're like, that's the, just like perfect. It's I'm like sorry. we've had we've had some incidents. <laughs> it's just, getting him to run across the freeway is probably one of the yeah. best scenes. <laughs> You're just so completely disarmed by him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during during that audition scene, because you've sort of gotten to the point where you've with seeing Eddie Murphy as Kit earlier in the movie you're just like oh my gosh this guy's funny but what an ass <laughs> and then you come around with jeff and you're just completely again disarmed by and just reminded just how much you adore eddie murphy you yeah. know yeah the running across traffic scene <laughs> is it's like Okay, and he's, he gets across and he's crying. It's, it's like it's like we're gonna have a huge coffee order. You're gonna you're gonna get napkins. You can put the nap. <laughs> I just want to do that. Like, okay, great, you can do that. But we're gonna do this again. <laughs> All right, after we shoot this one more time, yeah. Man. They almost don't need the insert shot that they put in again after that of him on the other side again screaming. Yeah. They almost don't need that. It just works so well. And and you know, like the scene where he's gonna do the new. Oh, this is the. Uh, artistic portion of the film <laughs> you know yeah. where the the nudity or she takes off her shirt uh daisy takes off her shirt and he kind of looks and he goes and he turns around and looks back at the camera awesome yes you're so good you're gonna be a star <laughs> another another thing that's kind of like buggy nights <laughs> Yeah, yeah they were lying. That reminds me, they were a big star. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think Jeff is just a brilliant performance, and uh, the fact that Murphy is giving two, you know, truly brilliant performances in this movie is just a testament to what a great actor he is, especially when he's doing something that he really likes 
and finds interesting and funny. Cause you know, I see him in, you know, some of the movies, you know, the daddy daycares and the haunted mansions and, you know, he's fine in them. He's not bad. I don't think he can give a bad performance. He's just not into them like he mm-hmm. is to this, you know? Yeah. And you can feel I that. that. I think when you see him firing on all cylinders, it's really, there's nothing like an Eddie Murphy performance. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's terrific. So, uh, when all of this kind of breaks, when, you know, the jig is up and the the cast all discovers that it was fake and, you know, they didn't have Ramsey's permission and all of that comes out and they're going to get sued and <laughs> naturally. And they're all just like, we're the most of the crew, cast and crew is just angry mm-hmm. at Bowfinger. I love what Carol says there. I think it was a beautiful lie. Exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> because bit. yeah, because yeah. they did have that whole family thing going on. Another like mm-hmm. kind of sweet diner scene happens here too. Yeah. Like they're they're making this crappy. I mean, it's where they find out that Jif is actually Kit's brother. That's when Bowfinger sees like the kind of family that he's created and that he's got to, you know, take care of these people. And he's like, oh, like he he really liked us. And, you know, he likes that we liked him and accepted him into our little family. And yeah, he says something about, you know, it's like I find out I have Kit Ramsey's brother and I grow a conscience. I grow a conscience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When really, when you're kind of watching this, yeah, it's very, very low budget and they're doing things without permission. There's a great scene. Um because this takes place in LA, uh, I think I thought that was a great scene where, like, as soon as they show up at the location where they don't have a permit to shoot there, yeah. like two seconds later, there's a cop there, like, "Where's your permit?" Which I've heard from people that like try to shoot in LA, like that happens a lot. Like, yeah. you have to show your permit like 20 times while you're shooting uh-huh. if you do have one. I'm sure. I also like how they pay off the cop yeah. and they hire the cop to be part of the movie yeah. and he's delivering his lines and it's really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I love that part. I think it's so funny. So there's definitely the, the run and gun style of filmmaking, but it's also very mm-hmm. ingenious the way they do things. Um, yeah. Even with the, the, the reflector that they use yes, for that the one work scene. for food thing. Yeah. yeah I was like, okay, that's actually kind of brilliant. That's yeah. taking what you have and doing what you can with what you have. And that's what a lot of people in uh, they are just starting out or that don't have a lot of money have to do with. So that's kind of like the aspirational part that I get from this, even though it's, yeah, it is all a lie and it's, they're doing everything the wrong way, but you can still kind of get the attitude of man, just work with what you got and do the best. Yeah. And I don't know. I just kind of like that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that too. And I like how, you know, they get the, the truck and the like the cherry picker yes. <laughs> truck and they and they and they're and they're using it as a crane. They cover with the it with leaves it. so no one can yeah. see that there's a camera in there. Behind the trees. Yeah. Oh man. It's really, really clever and well done. I think it's um that guerrilla style filmmaking, you know, like for example, when we talked about targets and Peter Bogdanovich w- did not have permission to shoot at the freeway, but he mm-hmm. did it anyway. And they shot it without sound because they had to do it so fast. That is yep. this kind of thing. And that was Roger Corman. I mentioned Roger Corman off mic. There is sort of a, a sense of, you know, that guerrilla style filmmaking of someone like Corman or William Castle or those kind, or even Ed Wood to some extent, just we're going to get the shot no matter how 
yeah. <laughs> we can. And uh, it's, it's very, uh, very well done, you know, and <laughs> I still find the, scene at the end where they discover that how they're going to be able to get permission <laughs> from Kit. <laughs> oh man. Because again, it's like, because it's this thing where he's going to expose himself to the Laker girls, but then they laugh at him. <laughs> it's, yes. it's just kind of like, yeah. at first it would be like, hor- they're like horrified, but then they laugh. It's yeah. just like, don't laugh. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> is um is just kind of like okay i think we just got our permission uh, <laughs> and so you know you have this whole thing where kit ramsey instead embraces this whole thing and uh and the movie's a hit which is crazy because it's <laughs> they have this big hollywood premiere for it and stuff uh just because it's this star is in it yes <laughs> this awful movie is going to be this massive hit is very funny I like that scene too where like they give him uh, at the premiere they give them the seats like at the very the very front row all the way to the left they're like and the right. screen is so huge and slanted and he's yeah. still but he's still got the edwood attitude like great seats <laughs> even though yeah. it's obviously they're obviously terrible seats you know <laughs> And then, you know, the FedEx truck thing kind of comes back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and it's like, we've got a movie. We're going to Taiwan to shoot uh, a movie starring Kit Ramsey's brother. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> so they, the, the, that fake purse ninjas thing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can see now, I mean, obviously some, it's caricature to say the least <laughs> of, yes. of uh, Asian culture, but there are things about it that I think are still funny. You know, just the idea of this fake purse ninja thing i i don't you know but you know like how they how they're just the utter incompetence where they like have this giant mirror that they walk in front of and and the camera crew appears in the mirror right. in the film and and the stunts are really really bad from jiff and jiff and, doing the stunts he's like not yeah, even he doesn't even hit the guy and like the stunt people close. on the other side just like flip themselves over and it's yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. And and then I, I've always loved the part too where Bowfinger comes in and it's like, nice to see you, brother. <laughs> and um they're running towards all all of the ninjas that are coming at them and they are instead of jumping off that stage thing, they just sort of climb yes. down really slowly. <laughs> That yeah. kills me every time. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's so dumb, but it just cracks me up every time. But again, they're making this terrible movie, but they've they've traveled internationally now, and their whole family uh-huh. is there making the movie. So, really, yep. what's so bad about it? Is kind of the feeling you get at the end, you know? Like exactly, <laughs> this is still yeah. this is still pretty cool. It's a it's a triumph for them. Yeah, you know, totally. To have been able to do this thing, and it's. Yeah, I mean, I found this movie funny from the first time I watched it. It was mm-hmm. and every time I revisit it, it just kind of I guess I notice more of the the teeth of it uh, the more I watch it that there is some satire going on here. But I just find Steve Martin's brand of humor to just be right in my wheelhouse, I think. I just yeah. find it so hilarious when he's really doing something funny like this and i also uh only murders in the building i just finished watching that first season of that and yes, um, I watch that. And he's one of the writers on that and i just love that brand of humor that he brings in this is more broad than this is more broad kind of humor than only murders in the building is but it's 
it just it's nice to see him still firing all cylinders and just kind of never not at the top of his game. It seems mm-hmm. like I, I love that. If anything, this um, uh, Bowfinger is a little bit of a throwback to stuff that he did early on with Carl Reiner, like the jerk or the man with two brains. Mm-hmm. That is just incredibly, you know, just a little bit off the wall, bizarre, you know, even yeah. so. Um, and I like that about it. I always love movies that are just kind of wall to wall humor like this, which makes uh-huh. them very rewatchable because there's probably so much stuff that you'll miss. Like the first time yeah. I always love it when it's like just these subtle lines that are thrown in there that when you're watching, you kind of go, wait, what, <laughs> what did they say? The one that I kind of loved for some reason is when um, Daisy and Slater are kind of walking together. It's after they've like been together and she just has a line where she's like, I've never done it lying down before <laughs> their whole conversation. You're just like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> That's right. Oh. There's like, there's tons of stuff like that in this movie that I could, I could probably watch it again and like catch so much stuff yeah. that I probably missed the first time. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's always been entertaining to me. So, uh, it's one that I'm glad I didn't listen to my parents on and listen to my wife instead. Cause she thought it was funny. <laughs> so. Your wife is very smart. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, a couple of good movies about movie making once again. A couple of great movies. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, recommendation time. <laughs> I kind of like mine now. I wasn't so sure if this was going to work, but I think it's, it fits in kind of perfectly with both movies <laughs> in a way. Mine does too. Uh, actually... I got I got to look it up again, or I'm going to forget what it's called. So I'll do mine first. So this is one that um, I honestly I I avoided this movie because it did not look like something that I would like at all. Um, but then it was mentioned to me on Twitter that it was actually kind of brilliant and <laughs> kind of funny. Not really kind of funny, very funny. Um, and so I gave yeah. it a chance uh, the other night, and yeah, pretty much five minutes in, I was howling and didn't stop <laughs> throughout most of the movie so uh from 2007 my recommendation is watching john c Riley just kind of be fucking hilarious in walk hard the dewey cox story <laughs> now usually like parody like spoof stuff like when it's like so obviously like spoofing something is not usually my favorite type of thing like that's not really the, the humor that i go for but uh, something about this like totally worked. It reminded me a lot of Popstar, which I think is fucking brilliant. And I love yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. I think this is, um, is absolutely. So it kind of goes with both of them in that it's a wall to wall comedy, but then it's also very surprising. And a lot of the stuff that comes up, like with, the John C. Riley connection. And plus there, I was like 20 minutes in, I was like, Oh, there's penis in this movie too. Okay. <laughs> like, just, just making, I forgot. I haven't seen it in a long time. I actually own it. I'm going to have to grab it off my shelf and watch it again. It's, it, well, it's a scene where like everybody's naked in the hotel room or whatever. And he's on the phone with his wife and like a guy comes up by, by him and he's just, his penis is out while he's talking to him and he's just acting like it's all normal and totally. So this type of humor, it really got to be this. It was kind of what I, one of those movies where it was like exactly what I needed to watch that night when I just needed something kind of super silly and fun that I could just absolutely howl and laugh at. <laughs> the wrong kid died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yes. So I love this oh. movie. <laughs> yeah, it's I gotta watch it again. I think I watched it because I just love Jenna Fisher so much. Oh gosh, she was uh, so funny. I was a massive fan of The Office. Still am. I was just smitten. I was as smitten with Pam as Jim was. Um, I gotta say. So I always, I always loved Jenna Fisher. You know, I never have seen a single episode of The Office. That's okay. It's okay. <gasps> I know. Um, I just, I feel like such an outsider. Everyone else loves it. It's like I gotta. It's another one of those things <laughs> I gotta get, gotta catch up on. Yeah, you know, uh, my son actually wants to watch it now, and I'm like. Okay, there's okay. a few that that are a little edgy, but but we can do that. Um, <laughs> it'll be fine. I mean, uh, my gosh, would I let my son? Would I take my son to what I watch with my son? Uh, is <laughs> nowadays is like, what do I have to worry about now? Um, anyway, so I I went through a few ideas because I've been watching a lot of like TV series. I watched. All of the first two seasons of The Righteous Gemstones, which is 100% my jam, by the way. Um, (laughs) It's on HBO Max. I watched Ted Lasso, which I did not think I was going to like at all, especially from the first episode or two. But I was so drawn into that, and it was not at all what I was expecting. So much better than I expected. I watched Pam and Tommy which I did not expect to like either, but ended up actually thinking was a really powerful story about just invasion of privacy and, you know, how we so often treat celebrities as, you know, public property that we Mm -hmm. can exploit however we want. And I thought that was, it's fairly sympathetic, I think, especially to uh, Pam Anderson. That's good to hear. Yeah. But what I've decided on is an episode, I've only seen one episode so far, because that's all that's available. There as of this recording. I'm sure much more of it is going to be available by the time uh, this comes out. But I chose, and I'm not 100% sold on it yet, but I like it enough to recommend it. And that is Winning Time, The Rise of the LA Lakers Dynasty on HBO Max. And okay, it's Adam McKay, so it's got a lot of that sort of big short feel to it where there's a lot of fourth wall breaking, which is a little bit annoying, but you know, but it has John C. Riley uh in the lead role, just killing it. Just like he and, but does. He's, yeah, he's a character that's honestly a little bit like Reed Rothschild. Um <laughs> but if he was like super rich. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, he goes and he hangs out at the Playboy Mansion. The first scene we see him in, he's, um, he's laying next to this playmate, you know, it's like, there are two things in life that make my, uh, that make me believe in God, sex and basketball. (laughs) And, um, um, it's, and it's got, it's a lot of it is the story of how so far, I mean, he's bought, he it's how he bought the Lakers. He recruited Magic Johnson. Um, it's 1979, 1980. So it's this transitional period that you get with Boogie Nights and Hey, the Lakers. So that ties it into Bowfinger. (laughs) So that ties it into Bowfinger. Um, but it's just about how he, this period where basketball became sort of this spectacle sport 
that it hadn't necessarily been up to then. And, and it's got lots of people playing, obviously, real-life characters, uh, whether they're portrayed exactly as they really are, who knows? But, you know, you've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you've got Magic Johnson, you've got all these different characters that were a key part of this story. And um, the first episode, pretty good. I'm interested to, enough to see where it goes from here, cool. you know? What was so that called winning again? time. It's called winning, winning time. time. The rise of the Lakers dynasty. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Next episode, we have got another great pairing of movies coming up. I'm excited about this one. I'm excited to watch both of yeah. these movies again. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing something that we haven't done since the end of last year, I guess. I remember when um, that was. November we, or December. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we are returning to doing a remakes episode. So we're doing an original film and a movie that was remade from it. You know, it's not necessarily going to be a direct remake, but it's going to be, and you'll that'll make sense as we do a few more of these episodes yeah. that we have planned. I think this one is maybe um, the most. This is this is probably remake. the most direct remake. These are these are the most similar I think that we've done yeah. so far that that we have at least planned. I should say. Yeah. So neither of us are really necessarily bringing one or the other. I guess I can claim the first one and you can claim the second one if you choose. Oh, I was going to claim the first one. I like the first one more. (laughs) You you claim the first one. I'll claim the second one then in in this case. We we, we did it the other way last time. So let's let's do this. You've got the original. You've got the the original. original. What's the original? Uh, we're talking, uh, we're bringing back another director that we've already talked about, Henri Clouseau and his 1953 movie, The Wages of Fear. Yes. And then I, of course, will be bringing William Friedkin's 1990s, 1997, 1977 version, Sorcerer, the brilliant, brilliant film, um, that many now name the greatest film of his career or the best film of his career. Uh, Which is interesting. I've heard a lot more people saying this is his best film. And I find that to be probably somewhat of a vindication for Friedkin at this point. Because I'm cool with that. This movie's great. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah. French Connection, The Exorcist, cruising all sorts of great films in that. Killer Joe. Filmography. Killer (laughs) Joe. I love Killer Joe. Uh, Bug, I like, actually. Oh, I love Um, Bug. Oh, Bug is so good. Yeah. So. I, I find Friedkin to be one of those directors that everyone thinks only made one or two movies. He's he's sort oh, of God, no. he's sort of the yeah he's sort of the modern Orson Welles. You know, people are now discovering. Oh my gosh, he made a lot of great movies. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like he didn't just make Citizen Kane. You know, he made a lot of good stuff. So that is what I'll be bringing, and I'm very excited to talk about both. I've only seen I, both of them. In both cases, I've only seen them once. I think I have to. I think I've seen Sorcerer twice, but it's been a long time. So, yeah, like yeah, I said, I'm excited yeah. to revisit them both. Excited to watch more Roy Scheider. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Always I always love Roy seeing Scheider. him. Yeah. Yeah. So that is next time. All right. Where we can we find us? Uh, you can find me at Brian D. Kuiper on Twitter. You can find me at Michelle N. Egan. And you can find the show at Movie Life Pod. Join us there. Talk about movies with us. Uh, I'm trying to be a little bit better, put out some different kinds of things on the Twitter feed as much as I can. I'm not doing very well, but I'll keep trying. And brain fart. Rates and review. Okay. Oh, yeah. Make sure you you head over. (laughs) Yeah. Head over to uh, iTunes. Head over to Spotify. uh, Drop a rate, rate and review, anything. 
a few kind words go are very helpful uh, for getting the show noticed and out into the world more. Absolutely. All right. Are we done? I think we're done. Let's call it done. What are we going to do? <laughs> I wasn't sure we didn't assign someone. Do we have to assign that to somebody or should we just supposed to like instinctively know like who's going to say it? I, no. I, I don't know. I think we would just instinctively know. So what are we going to do next time, Michelle? <laughs> we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.